boogeyman is real, and you found him. All right, you What's blood for, if not for shedding? I'm my number one fan. I like to dissect girls. Did you know I'm utterly insane? We all go a little mad sometimes. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Seven days. <laughs> I am Dracula. We have such sights to show you. Boy. I said, I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. I am the eater of wood. Of What's in the fucking box? They're coming to get you, Barbara. One by one, we will take you. Never get out of bed again! You gotta be fucking kidding. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. Welcome to prime time, bitch! <laughs> do, do we lose him? Is that it? What the hell? Welcome, everybody. Welcome, horror fans. It's Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. It's time for another episode of the Week in Horror Podcast, the official podcast of Type H's Everywhere. And if you, dear horror fanatic, are listening to us at the top of the week, remember we do this live every preceding Wednesday right here on YouTube. We hope to see you in the live chat. This week, we are covering select horror films released December 17th through December 23rd. Thank you all so much for joining us. I am JL, and with me tonight are the esteemed Eugene and the jolly Johnny O. Why What's up, you jolly? Yeah, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> What's up, everybody? You know, these, these people in the side chat know that I'm the last thing that even resembles jolly, only because I'm fat. I'm like, you know. I had to come up with a J term on the fly. It was the only thing. It's, it's like, it's December. It was the only thing that was like, you esteemed Eugene, that works. And the Johnny, uh, Jolly, that'll work. Yeah. You could have gone with Jackass. You could have gone with Geriatric. I'm trying to be positive. I want to be positive. Yes, finally, Johnny O has made his triumphant return to the podcast. Yeah, My voice sounds muffled. Let's take the cotton out of yours, Travis. <laughs> Savage. Okay, make sure. Yeah, no, I'm good. I should be good. You guys got me good. Yeah. Do I need to come? It's up a little. Low. It's a little low. A How's little that? low. That That's better? good. That's okay, fantastic. Cool. Yeah. That's great. All right. So we have a we have a a dense episode this week and that's there's good. one movie there's one movie that is just objectively garbage and anybody who <laughs> wants to uh argue with me on this one here i will tell you this that it's okay you can have your opinion and be wrong but it is objectively <laughs> garbage it's, it's a movie that the internet it's, wants to forget it's, <laughs> okay it's okay. a movie that gets buried by mattel's terrible toy line okay that's it, not it is a movie, movie is. it is a movie so terrible that i i had the i had to go to extreme lengths to find the fucking trailer because youtube doesn't host it yeah i wouldn't host it either <laughs> but to, i was like where is the trailer for this thing i guess there's no trailer but no. then i found i like i found it and i was like ah but then in order to get it i had to like go to weird lengths to like rip it and i was kind of like 
how am I going to get this fucking thing? So, but I, but I managed to do it. I managed to you get see the trailer, you have so. a jail on like some Russian site, like <laughs> super shady, has to pay in like rubles yep. kind of thing, converting right. just to get the trailer. I think that's why we've had a, a certain insurgent of porn bots uh, following our Instagram pages. I don't I, I, I met a man in a parking lot. I didn't speak the language. Didn't know what I you were agreeing to. But I shook his hand and the, and he took the girl that was with me. I don't know what happened, but I got the trailer. Here's the important question. Who's a girl? I don't know. Where's Angela? Where's Angela? <laughs> oh man, but it is the fantastic. The sacrifices he makes for the podcast. Exactly. You got to go you got to go big or go home, man. You got to be willing to sacrifice for your art. That's what it's about. You hear that, Angela? I know you're going to be editing this later. <laughs> well, it's fantastic to have you back. I know things have been really, really busy and crazy and yes. but I'm glad that you're able to make some time for us this week. And of course, let's put up that amazing Patreon banner. Those are all the amazing individuals who help us to make this show possible. I'm going the wrong way. Those names down there help us to make this show. So we appreciate your support, everybody, all those amazing names. So if you'd like your name up there, check out our Patreon. It's You can literally support the show for as little as a dollar a month. The link is in the description. And let's see who we have in the live chat tonight. Oh, no, Gary Busey's on the stage. That's not, that's, this is never going to turn that's out well. That's not right. It's going to turn out badly. But I see Raven Darkstar is here. Good to see you, Raven, who was first in the chat. Thanks so much for hanging out tonight. Appreciate you being here. Case Cooper as well. Thank you so much for being here. Sherry Tilly, good to see you. Doctor Who Design is here. Thank you so much for being here, Doctor Who. And I see as well, Travis Brown is here. Since evening, y'all, in two days until I visit my girlfriend this Friday. Fantastic. I hope you do have fun. All right. Strange Lex 790 is in the house. Good to see you, Strange Lex. Appreciate you hanging out. Casey Cooper says, will JL be solo? Will Eugene appear with his magic porn? Will Rooster be in the garage? Does Johnny still have his dolphin's hat? Inquiring minds want to know. Well, you see me here. I'm not solo. Eugene may have some magic storyboards just off to the side of the camera. I don't know. Rooster is definitely still in his garage. He will never not be in the garage. And uh, Johnny... I don't know if Johnny has his dolphin's hat. Do you still have the dolphin's hat? I've got dolphin's hats uh, over there, yes. Uh, and I had to take them off because these fucking guys won the World Series. So that's uh, what we're going to sport for a while. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, my World yeah, right. my World Series hat is on the wall over there. This is my... Oh, wait, this one, here it is. This is my postseason hat. So there we go. Awesome. And uh, though he didn't ask, Aaron is still relegated to the boiler room, which is where he is currently working on his his content and doing stuff as we speak. So uh, but now you have those answers. So there you go, Casey Cooper. And Casey Cooper has also been a member of the Army of the Dead for five months. Thank you so much, Casey, for that support. Yeah, buddy. We do appreciate that. Uh, please, yeah, and if you'd like to be a member of the Army of the Dead, you can support the channel right here on YouTube through YouTube memberships. It's 99 cents a month, and you get access to all the cool horror icon emojis that we made for you. So, and of course, more coming. The more members we get, the more emojis we can unlock. So, I hope you all enjoy that. Thank you very, so very much. So, here's the thing. You can get your one-month membership for 99 cents, or you can give me $100 and get the same thing. No? Okay, fuck it. I don't I don't think that math checks out. That's just checks out for me. I don't know the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> oh, I know it checks out for you. 
Uh, Sir Kasim is here. Good to see you, Sir Kasim. Good evening, fellow pod people. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here. I like here. what we you did there, it. Sir Kasim. I like what you did there. Very good. Don't think it didn't go unnoticed. Wrote it in the last name. Gabba Gabba to you. Thanks so much for hanging out. Sir Kasim says, pod people this week. I didn't watch the other movies, so no other points of reference. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, left-handed Jedi's here. Good to see you, left-handed Jedi, as well as Brian Powell. Says, good evening, everyone. Good evening, Brian Powell. And don't worry, you haven't missed nothing yet. Cindy Johnson, good to see you, Cindy. Thanks so much for hanging out. And what was that? Rodan last said the show was a little off. Um, the, some show. I don't know. I'm not sure. The, oh, things were reduced last week. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, the over-under on minutes late. When, when, when it's solo, when I'm solo, I'm typically, you know, like, like right at seven. And then, uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was to. on time. Okay. I was sitting you at my on desk. Time. It was not me. And I'm not going to go with the stereotypical person to blame. Okay. So don't fucking, don't do it. Don't make me do it. Well, Scorsese, this, <laughs> Scorsese over here has got like shit going on. I know he's like pushing, he's like pushing fucking meetings so we can do the show. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. true. I got <laughs> Steven Spielberg on hold right yeah. now. So he's got the wait. <laughs> Spielberg's on hold. Spielberg I just on over the phone as he was here. Like, <laughs> he just. What's going on? Hey Eugene? Steve, I'm gonna need you to we're running along. I need you to hang it, you know, hang on for a sec. No problem, Eugene. No problem, Eugene. No, no, no problem I'll at wait. all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got nothing better to do. Uh who is uh let me see who else we got tonight? Thank you, uh, Travis. I appreciate that. You did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> it's the you only did. nice thing Travis has ever said to me, which I understand because he doesn't like the fact that I spank him in fucking trivia all the time. So there you are. This is true. Gosh, yeah. Backfire's here. Gosh, Backfire says, happy holidays, you beautiful people. Happy holidays to you, Gosh, Backfire. Thanks so much for being here. Cindy Johnson says, hi, Johnny. Facing you are a sight for sore eyes. Mm, or a sore for sight eyes. Mm, Jesus. Rodan name says, ah, oh, shit, Johnny O. The movies are going to be crap. Not true. <laughs> there is one that is uh, crap. Calling this one film crap would be an improvement on the rating of this movie. Okay. <laughs> Jinju's here. Good to see you, Jinju. Says hello, horror, uh, horror Huns. Uh, who is that on the bottom? Johnny O. Really? Yes, Johnny O. Has returned. You see how many people are surprised? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're shocked. Yes, they can't. They can't hold it in. They were. They were like hounding for you last week. Really? Because the they movies were. were bad last week, weren't they? All of them were. Bad. We, all, we, wanted, we, we needed. We needed you to come in with that. With that acerbic wit. <laughs> and, and and really let the, let those movies have it because there was no saving any. I I for, that's a that's the unfortunate thing about this show is occasionally you get you get those episodes where no there were no good movies like from we had two of those episodes in a row Ooh. where there just was no salvaging and I and I kind of had to muddle through the first week. Unfortunately, <laughs> I had Eugene on the other one, so but thankfully you're here. He took me Give down me. with him. I did. I did. Like a like a dr- like a drowning man. Yeah. Drowning in shit. Yep. <laughs> You're coming with me. You're coming uh, with me, buddy. Javier Hara, good to see you. Thanks so much for being here tonight. As well as Castellar Daniel Garcia says, I like the sacrifice game and the black mold horror films. Both of them good. Good. Glad you enjoyed this. Sally Skellington says, Hey folks, good to see you, Sally. Thanks so much for being here. Tesla Radio as well. Says, Hello there, you scaring people. Your next movie should be my last three weeks. Awesome, awesome. And I think I got everybody. Casey Cooper says Monster High should have been named Low. Uh, agreed with that. It I, shouldn't been named anything other than throw this script into the garbage. <laughs> there's a I script in that movie? No, I don't <laughs> think there's. I, I'm surprised there were camera people for this movie. I don't think there were camera people for this movie. I'm not so, sure. 
We'll, it's really we'll, we'll we'll dive into it once we get we'll get into it because I mean I have to especially about that. especially about that character Mr. Armageddon. There's some things I have to say there, but nonetheless, see I'm realizing that if I feel like we just want to get it over with because that's why <laughs> going back to it and just like it's yeah like, right like, pull a bandaid and we just get it out get it out of the way real quick. The fucked up thing, and I don't know why it's this way because of the timeline, but the fucked up thing is it happens. No, it doesn't even no. No, JL, we could put this absolutely put this first because fuck this. I don't movie. want to do it first. I'd rather do I you know there's a saying that I heard in The Walking Dead once talking about when you have to eat a shit sandwich, the best way to get through it is You are uh, not Negan, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want only, to be Negan. That only works when you have a barbed wire bat in order to back those words. Up. <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, because at the end of that shit sandwich, there's actually some really good movies. One's fantastic film uh to be honest so i'm just saying technically uh, it wasn't negan who said that it was the dude on the bike that daryl blew yeah. up with the rocket launcher i yeah. know my walking dead so they, you, were gonna, you were totally gonna get called out for that shit too, but it dude, worked man. out as well it, it, it worked out as it's gonna work out for johnny o as well as it worked out for that dude on the motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> your rockets can't hit me sir Listen, if you're gonna go out, that's a pretty hell of a way to go out. That's a, that, that's a pretty boss way. It, yeah. it, it, that's boss, you know. Yep. It's like if if I had to choose, yeah, RPG, yeah. Might as well fuck it. <laughs> you have to be well, on the even, motorcycle though. Yeah, yeah, I gotta be on the motorcycle and you'll never know what happens. It'd just be done. You'll be like, all right, what happened? I'm, I just I'm love sure. that scene, scene because it's like boom, and like nobody knows what happened, and then he comes around with that with the smoking RPG is like, and then they look around the. It's like, yeah, the dude was tougher than I thought. <laughs> I was like, no, I got him, but it just took me a second. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, Norman Reedus, Norman Reedus is the man. All right. Well, we got some stuff we want to dive into tonight, and but first and foremost, it was brought up on the last two shows that people were talking about this movie Baghead, which is coming out next uh, next year. Don't have a specific release date yet. I don't think. I don't think this. Uh, um, oh wait, no. Oh no, no. Sorry, not next year. It's slated for December twenty eighth of this year. So December twenty eighth is when this movie Baghead comes out, and I checked it out, and I'm bringing it to you. So here is the trailer for the upcoming horror film Baghead. Let's cue up the terror tube. Oh no. You got. You guys didn't know it was in another movie, did you? Ah, ah. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, that took way too long. <laughs> All right, so uh, good to see you, B. Blanco, who just popped into the chat. Uh, thanks so much for hanging out tonight. We do appreciate you being here. Sir Captain says, jump scares galore. It just might be. It's uh, hard to say from the trailer because obviously we know what's we know what's kind of happening. There's an you know, this entity creature thing that's in the base, that's being held in the basement, and you can use it to talk to it. The premise of the film is... A young woman inherits a rundown pub uh, from her deceased father and discovers a dark secret within its basement. This entity that rundown, shapeshift- <clears throat> that rundown pub is called the Leaky Cauldron, by the way. Ah, I'm and serious. Sh- look at that. Tell me that is not the Leaky Cauldron from. Fucking I'd have to look. Fuck. I'd have to look that. at it again. Oh, and so there's a shape shifting creature that will let you speak to lost loved ones, but not without consequence. So the film uh, is written directed by Alberto Corridor and written by Christina Pames and Bryce McGuire and Lorcan Riley. And stars uh, Freya Allen from uh, from uh, The Witcher and Peter Mullen from uh, or sorry uh, Peter Mullen from um, uh, Children of Men, Saffron Burrows from Deep Blue Sea, Ned Dennehy you remember from Mandy, 
And uh, and it also has Svenja Young and Julika Jenkins, both who were uh, in Dark on Netflix. So good, solid cast, good pedigree behind it. Uh, the producers of It and uh, Barbarian. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I, we're looking forward to it. He's like, fucking, I'm out. That's how much he was looking forward to it. I think we lost JL for a minute. There he is. He's back. Oh, shit. Sorry. Sorry. No. So, but I'm intrigued. I don't know about y'all. What do you think? <laughs> what are you talking? What are the fuck? <laughs> We're just we supposed to ignore the fact that you disappeared. I'm looking for. I accidentally hit the button that backs me out on my mouse. So <laughs> it's my bad. It's totally my bad. But I, I was only gone for a moment. I was only, I was gone That's for like a That's all I've got second. to say about that. That's all I've got to say about that. Rodan <laughs> right name on, says man. Baghead. They made a movie about my ex. Savage. Yep. Poof, motherfucker. <laughs> Poof. Uh, this one I'm kind of eh about. It seems yeah. like it's going to rely on a lot of jump scares. Um, it's already kind of the similar premise. We have like a hand, like talk. Was talk it to like me. talk yeah, to, talk me. to yeah. me? That already came out um, earlier this year. So I'm kind of eh about it because I'm like, why would you keep something like that in like your basement of your pub? In like the creepiest circumstance, so I'm kind of I'm telling you because it's fucking the leaky cauldron from <laughs> Harry uh, Potter from Harry Potter because somebody Potter, I'd have to Harry look it Potter. up. <laughs> I'd have to look it up and see if that if that's what it is. See if, if, if that's where they shot. So, but I'm I would say I'm I'm eighty twenty curious because I love the lore. I love lore, and if the lore is really strong, then it will elevate the movie for me. But if the lore isn't there, then Nez because like talk to me did a really good job. Did a really good job of establishing some lore, but leaving enough uh, like like ambiguity to really you know be compelling. This one it may go too far and try to explain everything out, or it may you know it, it may do the same, it have the same tack. But I don't know. I'm I'm eighty twenty. I'm eighty twenty in the film. Yeah, uh, you know me. I'm I, I'm a cynic, and I uh, very difficult to intrigue me when it comes to horror, films, especially something like this, because just from the trailer you can already see that they're relying on some of the same old bullshits kind of scary tactics things oh we're going to show the guy crawling on the ceiling that hasn't been done a bazillion times in a bazillion different movies or you know the 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 monkey's paw type uh ah. type you know what i mean like well yes you can do this but at what cost like come on man we get it you know same old tropes and i understand i understand it's difficult to tell there's no such thing as an original story anymore but I don't know, man. I I don't know. It may be great. <laughs> it may be great, but it may be just you know recycled shit. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Uh, before we dive in, uh, so it was. Uh, what was it? Where did you go to go? Casey Cooper. Did Casey Cooper say that? Casey Cooper said, "I try not to remember Mandy." I don't know why that movie is fucking amazing. If by amazing you mean amazing that people actually liked it, then yes, I. I agree with you, Casey. You are, unac you are unacceptable. I know, I know, but you love me anyways. <laughs> I tell you what, you, here's the thing. Uh, here's where I'm going to throw an olive branch. Not to Mandy, but to my uh, terrible my, my terrible opinions of movies, I guess. I don't know. Uh, that new Netflix film with, uh, with uh, Julia Roberts and uh, Marshall Ali. What the mm -hmm. fuck is it called? Uh, I know which one you're talking about. I can't yeah. remember the name, the title of it, but um, something about tomorrow. It's a, it's a post post apocalyptic. Post uh, kind, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like it's actually really fucking good. Huh. It's a I'm slow sure. burn. It's not the type of. It's very much a slow burn horror film. Um, is it calling a thriller? Whatever. Um, 
it's very there's some things that are they're done extremely well they set up the tension uh and the payoffs uh are fantastic <laughs> and then of course you know it's got a great cast with ethan hawk and uh uh travis runs leave the, leave world, the world behind, behind. that's yeah, it yeah uh it's yeah. like i said everything is set up really well so cool i'll have to give that a look when i get an opportunity yeah. all right well, definitely let us know down in the comments below if you're looking forward to checking out the movie Baghead when that arrives. Either it's going to be in theaters or on stream. Probably be on streaming as well um, in order to maximize it. But uh, Paramount let us know, Plus and all that shit, yeah. Let us know if you're looking forward to seeing it in the comments below. Love to hear what you guys think based upon the trailer and uh, and how you think the movie's going to suss out. You know, is it going to be like uh, you know something completely different or will it follow the pretty much what Eugene said? You know, like talk to me. I'm really curious to hear what people think of it. So. But other than that, I think it's time we dive in. So are you can we, ready? Can we just get rid of the one? Are you ready, we're... Eugene? What do we have first? Follow the script. There's a script for a reason. It's because you want to <laughs> delay the torturing? I get it. Yeah. No, no, so that we end on an up note. Not well, the... yeah, but here's the thing. Any fucking movie could have followed this and we would still end on an up note. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> we could have watched a colonoscopy. <laughs> Even though you froze during saying colonoscopy, we still knew what you meant. Still knew exactly what he was saying. And he's right. He's right. It could be a colonoscopy being performed in a third world nation, and it would it still be, be more a fun. Colonoscopy performed on you in a third world in a third nation. nation. <laughs> you could be watching your own bowels. <laughs> it would be better. After wow. a long day of Chipotle. <laughs> wow. oh, 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 no. It's like, wow, I can see myself in the doctor's office. Wow, that looks terrible. Still not, it's still not as bad as Monster High. It's still, still not as bad. But yeah, let's kick us off. Eugene, what do we have up first? All right, up first, we have Monster on the Campus, which was released December 17th, 1958. Roll it. <laughs> Oh, man, I love those 50s trailers. They're so good. Oh, they're Especially fantastic. when it's like fucking uh, King Kong meets Wolfman. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> I just, the scene where he gets a hatchet to the face. That, <laughs> that, that took me by surprise. I was, he was like, ah! And it was like, I was like, oh, it's going to hit him. I'm like, oh! And it was like, no, it nope. got square in the face! Like, oh, shit! <laughs> this is a movie in the 50s, too. Like, oh! <laughs> like, I was like, God! <laughs> they pulled no punches. <laughs> All right, that is Monster on the Campus, directed by Jack Arnold, stars Arthur Franz, Joanna Cookmore, Nancy Walters, Troy Donahue, and Whit Bissell. And basically, what you <laughs> Whit Bizzle. <laughs> Dizelle. <laughs> all right, all right, you no, it's, it's all right. Uh, Lorraine, send in the next actor. What's his name? Whit Bissell, sir. Hired. Okay. <laughs> and basically, oh, so basically, you have a scientist who works at a university. He exposes himself to the blood of a prehistoric fish, and anything that mixes with the blood of it turns prehistoric, and he turns into a Neanderthal that they have to catch while he goes on a killing spree. Except the one lady whom he you know he saves he peels her out of the car wreckage that's right that's right except for and, her and, and, because and it was it was and it wasn't see that see this is this is the, the, I, I really enjoyed this movie number one i gotta say 
I fucking love Jack Arnold movies. Jack Arnold movies are like some of the best from the fifties. You're talking about the, the like legendary dude, all of his stuff. And we'll dive until I will dive into the Jack Arnold effect, but monster on the campus or a Geico commercial. <laughs> so easy. So easy. Even a monster on the campus could do it. <laughs> but I, re- I thoroughly enjoyed, I, I, I dug this one because it was way, w- yeah, it was way deeper than I expected it to be. One thing I thought was really cool was all the elements of science that at the time were quite relevant. So like, for example, you mentioned like the seal, the coelacanth. I, but the coelacanth blood was irradiated with gamma radiation. And I was like, wait, was that? And I had to look, it was like, is that a fucking thing? It's like, sure as shit it was. In because the 50s, you see In this the a 50s, lot. they irradiated, in order to prevent bacterial spread, they irradiated things with gamma radiation. And then well, not you know, they used that. it in the health industry as well to, to sterilize medical tools. So, right, but not only that, see, that that's like when you go into a deep dive in that shit. But if you look at back in the 50s, you, that's like the beginning of the Cold War. We had World War yeah. II, we were dropping... Uh, you know, we're dropping fucking <laughs> nuclear bombs and new atom bombs on motherfuckers and shit. So you get a lot of this radiation scare horror that comes out because you know you've got you know giant ants, you've got fucking uh uh yeah damn. ghouls then yeah them yeah. you have ghouls coming back and there's a lot of radiation. Godzilla is huge because of this you know this this uh radiation scare right and so that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. So they they were absolutely playing on the fears of people right. uh from you know war and this type of shit so great yeah it it, it was I, I really dug i really dug how close to the actual science jack arnold or you know the and of course the writer um himself which was because it was written by david duncan and david duncan as you know if anybody's familiar with that name you know we're talking he did uh, time machine in 1960 fantastic voyage you know mm-hmm. worked on outer limits you know a fantastic sci-fi writer screenwriter and then you and and a novelist, and then you had Jack Arnold, who's just his inspirations abound. And the one thing that stuck out to me like a sore thumb is only because I happen to know this just off the top of my head is like they open up the the, the shot of the uh, of the scientist's lab, right? They open up the shot of Blake's lab, and he is kind of like a paleoanthropologist is what he does. And although they just say he's a science professor, that's all they say. Science, you know, because science was you know, science where it was at. Yeah. And he, it opens up with those busts that he has. He has those busts along the top of his wall. Okay. So uh, Eugene, like the, a bust is like a, a head of a <laughs> like statue, not titties. Okay. All the faces. Oh, I was totally picturing bosom. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> he has like the face, he has like the faces along those wall, like of the, of the bust that he's made of like different stages of man, like, you know, Peking man and, and Java man and so on and so forth. The very first one he had there was Piltdown man. And oh. it's funny because Pilt, because this movie came out in 1958 and it was in, and Piltdown man was discovered to be a hoax in 1953. So I was kind of curious. I was like, huh, when the movie was written and they did that, did they just throw that up there because, Hey, we want to add that to it without, you know, people, maybe they didn't know you know, in the general audience that it was a hoax or maybe the script is old. And so they were just adhering to the script. So I would, you know, there's some questions there because it was the only thing that really stood out. Otherwise I loved the adherence to this and obviously the cultural references going on to, not to mention stuff, you know, post-World War II landscape, but you can't ignore the obvious parallel of everyone. And I'm sorry, I hate to bring this up because I really enjoyed this movie. Not, you know, all, everybody in the film is white and he turns into the dark skinned, you know, you know, because I don't think it's a coincidence that one month before this movie came out, the anti-segregation bill was passed, mm-hmm. you know, and when, you know, schools now can no longer be segregated by, by race. And so now you have this idea of this 
he's he's reverting into this animalistic state and he's dark skinned and you know what he represents and then he's the one running around causing chaos all over the campus and then you have the trope of it's the adult it's the it's the students the students that are the ones who are in control and they're the ones that are like they have the solutions they know what's going they're the ones that are responsible and it's the adults that are out of control Mm-hmm. Which I like. I like how uh, they flip the script on that. How it's the the scientist who thinks he knows better than everybody else. The university that's like, no, you will conform to what we want you to do and not do the, this. And the police who are completely fucking inept. And it's the students who are like, we think we know what's happening here. Let's try and solve this problem and try to put the pieces together where all the adults mm-hmm. are fucking up. So many interesting details in this particular script and how they shot it that I think elevated well, beyond where it was. Uh, well, because you have to think about who they're marketing to. So you're talking about 1958, right? And, and right. there are obviously the racism implications mm-hmm. of Brown versus Topeka Board of Education. Uh, you had the uh, Emmett Till slaying that happened three years before this movie came out. Um, so obviously that's been, that was a big thing. But also on top of, uh, talk, uh, also on top of that, the, how you have the university students are the ones in the know because this movie is marketed towards teenagers and mm-hmm. people in their young 20s taking dates out. Drive-in movie theaters are a big thing. <coughs> you're, you're finally getting to that market because in the 30s, you didn't you made kids' movies and you made adults' movies mm-hmm. because either uh, you had either adults that want to see adult stuff or they had not like kids. not like Adult movies. Not, not that. Not that. <laughs> well, this one, but, this one was a double feature with uh with a British horror film, uh, Blood of the Vampire. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the drive for the drive-ins. Right. So the thing is, it makes sense because now you're finally getting movies marketed towards teenagers, marketed towards young twenty-year-olds. Mm-hmm. They can go out with their friends. They can take dates. They can do all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. they're purely marketing towards that demographic. Monster on the campus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, they are more, absolutely. Yeah, they are absolutely targeting a very specific audience here. One thing I do want to point out, and Jayla, you brought this up talking about the the social commentary that happens mm-hmm. inside of this film. You, you know, you hear a lot of of anti rhetoric, fucking idiots out there talking about. I wish they would take all the you know the politics out of movies like they used to. Like, no, no, no. Politics has been in movies and in entertainment. Oh yeah, for fucking ever. I mean, you want to you want to talk about politics in entertainment? You go back to fucking Mozart, Beethoven, shit before like way 500,000 years ago, back when the only approved style of music was Gregorian chant because it was considered non-demonic. And when you introduced harmony, that was demonic. But you had these composers that were introducing harmony as a way to make a political fucking statement. So that whole idea that politics doesn't belong in entertainment is so fucking bullshit because it's been there forever especially in science fiction like science fiction is never about whatever the science fiction about it's always commentary on social issues always good science fiction that is the same thing with good horror film good horror film is generally going to be some sort of lens to look through social issues always has been all right yeah Okay, so yeah, Sir Kasdan brings up um, the Australopithecus family apparently did tend towards darker skin, according to according to Gutsick Gibbons videos. She's a, a magnificent creator on YouTube. Uh, no casual racism is necessary. I, I agree with that assessment in the lens of today, but right. in the lens of 1958, um, I think it, it's hard to ignore the coincidence that literally one month prior 
you know, and considering it, it, it wasn't like they, it wasn't like the government arbitrarily just decided, you know, bam, you know, schools were unsegregated. That was an argument that was being had for some time before it finally, before that act was finally passed. Jeez, so I it was, say that started like years before that. Yeah. Like, so, so I would, I would hazard that David Duncan likely took that as inspiration in order to, in order to address that. So at least for some form of social commentary, because there is not a, a, a single other black actor in the entire film. There's no representation of color on that campus, which would indicate that this, this would likely be before the desegregation of the campus. And so I, I don't, I, I don't want to speak to Duncan's intentionality there because he's not here to defend himself. And they you have know, never, and he's never commented on that because nobody really you know, brought it up, but you know, only a few people brought it up in hindsight. But you can't ignore. I think you can't ignore that. And I agree with sarcasm. Yeah, the as do I. yeah. The uh, the fucking uh, the fucking subtle misogyny. Just it wasn't subtle. It was as subtle as a blunt fucking. Ass. <laughs> well, it was. Well, it was like it was like backhanded. It was like these backhanded comments. Like when he's taking the bust of of the girl. When he when he when yeah. uh, Blake is taking the bust of his girlfriend. And then he like makes his comments, ah, silent and you know, silent and still, the way a woman should be. Yeah, ah, I'm just is... kidding. It's like, really, <laughs> really, that's that's what you're yeah. doing. So it's like the, and then of course the whole like, you know, I have a dick and I'm a scientist. I know what the fuck I'm doing. Just shut up with your critiques, there, woman. It wasn't as bad as as like you know some other films where I think there was one movie. What was it? The the fucking um, the tarantula. It was like a, I think a tarantula's movie where the dude was literally like. Shut up! And she's like, "Okay, <laughs> you know, shut up, woman." <laughs> it wasn't that bad, but it was there. The casual misogyny and the casual misogyny was pretty bad. But uh, I, you know, I think for the time period, it was kind of, kind of, we've kind of gotten used to this to be expected a little bit. It, we have to, you have to keep in mind where these people come from. So, like Jack Arnold himself, the director, was born in 1912. So oh. you have to keep, you have to keep in mind, like what he grew up with you're talking about 1912 you still had soldiers from the civil war that were still alive at that time period so it's very easy to go down the realm because of the 50s it's very easy to go down that racist because that was a big thing at time period we look at dr jekyll and mr hyde from the 1930s version huh dressed like a black man acted like a black man in, as Hyde and went after like white women. It was everything that they feared about black people at that time. Right. And then we're talking about the thirties. That's 20 years before this movie came out. Still most still pretty much everybody still alive at that point. Not to mention so, he was, uh, he was born to Russia. His parents were Russian immigrants when they came over and they, uh, he was born here in America, but you know, that, that, you know, they brought with them their own ideologies. It wasn't like, you know, it's generations born American. So he's kind of like when he was born in 1912 here in the States, he was kind of like, you know, this is the culture you're now in. With, yeah, you know, this, you know, it, yeah, this is, this is just now, I don't know the degree to Jack Arnold because it could be studio interference. It could be cast. It could be a whole, I'm not going to say this is Jack Arnold's fault 100% because honestly, I don't know. So I'm not going to accuse him of something that we don't know 100%. Right, yeah. Um, and if somebody does, please let me know on that. But it is something that you want to take it. You want to take in mind when you're watching films from that time period. 
And I, I'm not going to discount in any ways because it's a different time period and it may not be malicious, may be malicious either way, but it's definitely something to keep in mind. And as we continue to study films, we study that's one of the aspects we do study on. It, it, it's, a, it's a reflection. It was good. We see how far culture has come. We see the you know the differences in our ideologies now. I mean, you see this you know going back, especially when you go into foreign films. If you go back into like you know the the early pre- early French predecessors, German predecessors, there's a lot of political commentary that is absolutely abhorrent to us today, but was commonplace back then. It's just yeah, that's just the standard that was acceptable at the time, and they're reflecting these particular ideologies. Well, this is essentially the same kind of thing that's going on here. So, I mean, you're going to have to kind of prep yourself for that. I will, although I will admit it's kind of jarring when the guy is just like openly derisive to a female character. She's supposed to be the lead. He's kind of like, listen, bitch, you, yeah. you have no idea what you're talking about. And she's just like, you're right. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Carry on, you know, lead, lead hero. But Jack Arnold, I will give him this. I, you know, given his other films, ones that we love, fucking Creature from the Black Lagoon, my favorite you know, universal monster. Creature in the Black Lagoon. It came from outer space. The Incredible Shrinking Man. The guy was the mind behind some of the greatest sci-fi films, sci-fi horror films of the 1950s. And it's just a legend in that respect. And I don't see any of the shit that, that's why I don't think, that's why I agree with you, Eugene. I would say it's actually not, it's actually not on Jack's fault, like, like on Jack's head, any type of implied racism or whatever. I think the misogyny was, you know, the kind of like relationship dynamics at the time, but he doesn't explore anything else like that in any of his other films. And as a matter of fact, he often explores the ideas of people encroaching where without warning or without or without uh, without permission. People like, you know, stepping on other people's toes, people being where they shouldn't belong or just, you know, uh, the the kind of like entitlement sense that we can do whatever the hell we want just because of who we are. He explores those things a lot. A lot of the social, the things that create social divide. So, which is what makes him one of the best sci-fi uh, horror directors. So, I liked what he did. It just, I, I don't want to saddle him with that whole like, you know, that's what he was trying to convey in that film. Maybe he was. <laughs> just kidding. I just <laughs> legitimately don't know. Yeah. We, yeah I it mean... wasn't. It wasn't there in his movie Tarantula, and we re- we talked about Tarantula on this one, and because I, I thoroughly enjoyed that one. All that was in that one was the was the 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 fucking misogyny. That was because it was 1955, and there was some really blatant misogyny in that one. Yes. So, but still, a really really fun film. Not his absolute best, but a really really fun one. I really really dug it. It's kind of funny because when I was in uh, college many moons ago i wrote a story uh kind of similar bless you what i was waiting for eugene he sneezed i said bless you he's just like looking at me like a <laughs> thank you well, one thing i was like i thought i muted could you hear that <laughs> i heard you from here eugene uh no i wrote a story i think i shared it with you maybe not who cares but i wrote a story kind of similar except it's more of a scientist looking for um like fountain of youth type shit but yeah when i watched it was like "Mm, this reminds me of something i wrote it's a nice it's a it's a nice clean film it's just really really well done and despite the fact that yes when you see the the dragonfly come in you can see those wires that are obviously on the dragonfly that was like a real oh but they didn't have the means to really i love the dragonfly the dragonfly was awesome bad but (laughs) but then then it's like it like flies through the lab and then it lands up on the uh, the deals and it's like looking down at them it's like oh cool giant dragonfly and then it like 
Then it zooms in and gets on, does the close up, and then you can see the the shit yeah. coming out was like, really? <laughs> and then like ah, and then it lands on the yeah. sea on the sea again. <laughs> oh. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun, and you know, it just it had it, it has the all the uh, all the makings of, of 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 a you know all the you can see all the hallmarks of a great Jack Arnold film. And mm-hmm. so I saw all the things that he relies upon, and really, really smart stuff, really smart writing, smart direction, because everything that that he directed, he had input on. So if well, not his best, and obviously there's a lot of other good ones. This one's in, this one's an enjoyable one. The kind of examination of the you know the the inward the the uh, the, man, the uh, kind of like the the, what was it? The uh, the the identity of the man himself forging his own destiny versus the, the organized man versus the elements that desire you that seek to box him in, and how at you know at, you know at our at our hearts you know we're you know, at our base impulses we're all you know kind of like bestial in that nature, kind of like you know our primal instincts and shit, and how we're constantly you know bucking you know like, or fighting against something that's trying to contain us. I dug the all the little elements that went into this. It was fun. I love 1950s horror films. I love that 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 golden era of film horror. I love that shit. It's, it's almost a, as good as the 80s. Almost. It's the thing about a lot of 50s films is they're just fun. Like yeah. I just I have fun. I like and some of the stuff can come across as cheesy today, but I see it as fun. It still has some great moments in it. Like we talked about that. The hatchet to the face, which none of us saw coming. Not from uh, a fifties movie. No, <laughs> well, I, I gotta be honest. I gotta be. I gotta be honest. When she, when she went, when she, when she's like, ah, and she pulled the wheel on the car. I was half expecting a fucking giant cliff for her to go off of, and it didn't happen. I was like, oh, it's just a little. It's just a little embankment. I was like, okay, thankfully, it's just a little. Because I was expecting, ah, boo, and I was like. But yeah, you know, yeah, that was good. But yeah, the hatchet to the the I guess the axe to the face and the hatchet to the face that caught me by surprise. Like holy shit, they fucking went yeah. there. It's like bah. It's like oh, bah. yeah. Angela was asleep while I was watching it. I was watching it, and Angela was asleep, and then I was like, dude, she's here like this, and then all of a sudden. He's like, man, holy shit. It's just like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking straight like Daniel Day Lewis last of Mohicans. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fucking great. Yep. Uh, we have we have we have more movies? We do. Uh, well, okay. first, before we proceed on. Oh yeah, I forgot about this part. It's been a while. Sorry. <laughs> I want to ask the audience. What do you consider is the best Jack Arnold film? And of mm. all the films he's done, what would you consider the best Jack Arnold film? God, he's got mm. so many good ones. It's like trying to pick your best. Well, never mind. I, I, I'm still going to say Creature from the Black Lagoon, still my favorite, because at the end, not not to mention just one of the one of the best Universal monsters, but the storyline right. in and of itself and the innovative filmmaking that he did with that, with the underwater. Uh, uh, the underwater well, I mean, if you look at and... yeah, if you look at the legacy that left behind that creature from the black, that's referenced in so many different ways, and it inspired so many different films, uh, like Chud and uh, what was the other one? The uh, uh, sea monsters that came in raped women. Um, oh, uh, uh, yeah, humanoids from the deep. Yeah, that's it. Um, Corman. Yeah, right. So the the lasting effect that film had on cinema, just in general, but especially like horror and monster horror and and deep sea type horror shit. So yeah. So we got wrote no last name says this island Earth the MST3K version very funny. That, uh, you know yeah but, <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Tony Regime says uh, the Incredible Shrinking Man. Uh, yeah, the, the Incredible Shrinking Man is regarded as his masterpiece. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. I just happen to like uh, Creature of the Black Lagoon because it's one of those rare, like you know, monster films. Like the, it's a classic Universal monster. It's one of my favorites. I love the film videos with the idea of the un- the underwater monster, but mm-hmm. the, also the fact that the monster did nothing wrong. They fucked up they went into its territory right without regard of what might be there and then when they found out there was a monster they're like fuck you monster we're gonna take you out so that we could do what we want to do instead of just leaving the monster alone you know so, the fuck up thing is he's not even really a monster he's just a fish person he's just Kill a creature man, yes. he's just, just a, a he's creature just a, he's just a like, creature from the black lagoon right and they're like you know was. what you're a monster <laughs> like wait a minute why am i the monster this is my house motherfucker. <laughs> you're the monster but hey, you're the invader you're the invading creatures that look nothing like me. You're right. the mo- we You're the are the monsters. Mm. Bum, bum, oh, bum. No. <laughs> we solved it. <laughs> Twas beauty that killed the beast. Oh no. Oh jeez. Oh, so many good stuff. Definitely let yep. us know down in the comments below your favorite Jack uh, Arnold uh, Jack Arnold film. He's got so many. I'd love to hear what people uh, what people really do love. Rodan Lassane says he was a monster in, in love. love. I think he was trying to eat her. I think I, he, I think she was food. Now I, I say I, I food, food, food. He was gonna eat her as food, wow. not the other way, not the other way. Get your mind wanted, out of the gutter. He wanted some banana pudding, and she was like, "Hey, baby." Brody. Cindy Sue says down there. Cindy Sue says tarantula or mouse that roared. And uh, excellent choices. Uh, Tony Regime says, I was about eight when I saw Incredible Shrinking Man. It has stuck with me for 50 years. Awesome. Joshua Lee says, yep, this island Earth. Left-handed Jedi says, the mouse that roared. And uh, Tony Regime says, he was going to eat her foo-foo. (laughs) 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 Travis Browse is wanting her seaweed surprise. Oh, no. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah. He he wrote in her last name. He definitely saw Shape of Water. (laughs) He definitely did. (laughs) Thank you, Guillermo, for that visual. We do appreciate it. I did not. I never needed that, right? You know, Guillermo, leave it to Guillermo del Toro thinking, hmm, what happened if the creature in the Black Lagoon fucked this hot girl? <laughs> I, I know sh- what I want to see. I want to show that to the audience. <laughs> show that to the world. That's where the fish taste switches parts, you know? <laughs> anyway. Uh, no. I'm going to show the world and win an Oscar. God, fuck. Normally, they're not salty all over. Oh, no. (laughs) Anyway, so. Okay, Johnny, you should have been here last week. You should have been here for the last episode because we had The Creeps, which is a full moon production. Have you ever heard of it? Deformed. It is also got by by the name of Deformed Monsters. I think so. I think I've seen it. Evil scientist tries to bring back, you know, bring to life literary monsters from, but but he screws up the uh, deal and they all come out. They're all dwarves. Mm. So it's like dwarf, dwarf, Frankenstein, dwarf, Dracula. (laughs) The whole end of the episode turned into shit. You got to hand it to short people, though. I see. I, that's the that's why we needed. That's why we wanted you so bad on the last episode. It's like, oh, think of the shit that'd be coming out of Johnny's mouth right now. The like comment section was oh, just. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. You didn't give me down comment section. The live chat den- detonated. Yep. All right, so Johnny. Uh, because you were coming back, I ensured that you had this one. 
because this is like your fandom all over. <laughs> oh man, it's kind of funny because I, I recently discovered a Demi Burger song that is my theme song. And we're all going to hell. Oh no. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we're talking about uh, The Devil Rides Out from 1968. Not the year of my birth, by the way. Fucking assholes. <laughs> Let's see this trailer. It's a 60s trailer. It's going to be good. <laughs> uh, what did that horsey do to anybody? <laughs> a horsey. All right, that was The Devil Rides Out, also known as uh, The Devil's Bride in the United States. It's a 1968 British horror film based on the 1934 novel of the same name by Dennis Wheatley, uh, written by Richard Matheson and directed by Terrence Fisher. Uh, and I have to say that if I'm ever going to be fighting the depths and pits and uh, legions of hell, I will be doing it with Christopher Lee all day every day i don't care how dead he is <laughs> if the devil is real then christopher lee in the afterlife is also real so i will be ouija boarding him to my side because the fucking guy is great um sorry uh charles gray uh nike uh i don't know how to say that last name because i'm not even I, it's uh it's it's nike Arige. There you are. Yeah. And Leon Green. Uh, obviously, this is a film about a bunch of people whom think it's cool to try and defeat the devil. And again, if Christopher Lee says we're going to do it, we're going to fucking do it. Okay. He was the authority in this he one. He was the authority. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is... Like, Christopher Lee is such a badass in oh, every yeah. single... <laughs> <laughs> there was never an ounce of fear in, in any part of his performance in this movie. He was like, never a moment shit, I that that, never moment I felt that man was out of control. That At guy no. had it on lock yeah. and every the fucking angel of death is in the room with you. It's okay, we got this on lock, man. It's, yeah. it's all yeah. good. I got a, there's a giant go. <laughs> there's a giant horse penis being flashed. He was like, now we're good. Now we're scared. good. Listen, I've seen it before. <laughs> Let's go. I wrote it in a left name. It's Christopher Lee, the Sam Jackson of the 70s. He fucking was. He was, he was just yeah. unflappable. In yeah. a, in, and I love that. In a rare, heroic performance. And one of the few Hammer Horror films where they they took a really hard like pro-Christian like pro-Christian stance in the in kind of like the efforts against evil. Like, right. you, can, you can tell that in that. But one thing I loved the most about this thing was the was the fucking pedigree behind this movie, oh, and yeah. I think Elvis because you've got uh, you've got not just starring Christopher Lee, Christopher Lee, Charles Gray, Charles Gray did a number of Bond, uh, did a number of Bond films, Bond villains. So you had a great villain in, in uh, Charles Gray's work, but directed by Terrence Fisher, one of the best uh, Hammer horror directors ever, and then you've got written the novel written by Dennis Wheatley, one of the most esteemed sci fi horror. You know, you know, weird horror writers in, in you know, from from England, and then the screenplay by Richard Fucking Matheson. Yeah, and so it's like I, you know, I am legend and shit like that. It's kind of like yeah. what the fuck? Or you know, sorry, the Omega Man and shit like this. So no, it's no, like, I, am legend. I am legend. I am right. legend. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like the the pedigree behind this was phenomenal, and the the fact that they secured all of this talent for the for the that Hammer secured this talent for this one particular movie just goes to show how much they want and I then. I can't find a flaw in this fucking thing. I I think arguably one of the one of the best Hammer horror films ever made. And see, it's interesting that you bring that up because this was a project that Christopher Lee like had. It took him years because I had to get the rights 
And so they had to go through uh. all this process. So Christopher Lee was heavily involved in getting this project made to begin with. And so it was like, finally, it was like, okay, we got the, we have the rights. Um, and at this point you had uh, Terrence, Terrence Fisher was starting to slow down and he was being more selective in the movies. Cause he did like a love and hammer horror films, like in one year or like in a couple of years, like he was just wow. overdoing it, overdoing it. So he's starting to slow down because he's established at this point. So he's picking and choosing, but Christopher Lee's like, no, this, this is the one that you need to do. And then on top of that, they're like, okay, well, if you're going to do this, you need to play the good guy. And Chris Lee's like, yeah. And he was really excited because he does not get a chance to play the good guy very often. And so the casting of, it was like Charles, Charles Green, right? Right. Uh, Charles, uh, Charles Gray. Charles yeah. Gray. And they're like, well, we needed somebody strong enough because if you're going to have Chris Lee on one <laughs> side of the spectrum, you need to have somebody who can hold up the other end. Right. You got to have Charles a Peter Cushing or a Charles Gray. I love or, it. Yeah. I love the fact that they, the two of them were never in combat together. They always kind of like on opposite ends of like, like Chris Lee's holding up his, holding up his deal in the battle. And Mercada is always like off doing his thing. It's kind of like the overlord. They never actually battle one another. It's all their like, you know, psychic shit that's going on. And eventually Mercada falls prey to his own machinations. Christopher Lee, technically Christopher Lee didn't have to lift a fucking finger in this whole movie. He's just kind of right. like my knowledge. Yeah. Circle, Got circle it. on ground. <laughs> we solid, man. Yep. yep. As a matter of fact, okay, this I'm I've got this so unlocked, I don't even have to be in all of the movie. So you guys just watch this. I gotta go take care of some shit like like fucking Gandalf. I gotta go handle some shit so you guys handle the plot. I will be back later yeah. on. So I fucking love that aspect. That you know, the story itself was was absolutely phenomenal. And like I said, I think one of the best. And knowing that Christopher Lee fought to make this happen, was anybody else thrown? When Christopher Lee when opens up the movie and him and his and him and his friend and, and I hope to play a friend like that one day because that I thought his friend was badass. But they're rolling up to the party to go call on that dude's son. So they're rolling up to the party and you hear Christopher Lee talk and it's not his not his class. You know the like the the, the classic. Chris, I right. was kind of thrown. I was like, wow, he sounded like normal. He's like this. Yeah. But when he gets serious, that's when the voice comes down. You know, with authority. But he didn't need to talk like that at the time. That kind of got me. I was like, holy shit. Like a whole new side to Christopher Lee just kind of opened up to me. Yeah, because he can be the more like chill good guy at this point instead of always being the booming like bad guy in so many of them. Yeah. It's nice. It's really nice to see his that. chops. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, I just like Christopher Lee. He's so good in everything he does. He really is. I knew that you would love this one, Johnny. Because, I mean, Christopher Lee, Hammer Horror you know classic classic good versus evil kind of thing kind of like you're not not you're not so typical hammer horror film you know plus, it is you know, very yeah it's very much out of the box because it's i mean whereas it does have like the satanic elements to it but it doesn't have you know like the, the monster element to it that most hammer horror films have like you know dracula and you know shit like that so um this one is again fucking christopher lee i'm in i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna watch it and it was good. It was solid. It was fun. Uh, you know, again, this is still in the era where we're able to have fun watching horror films. It didn't have to be so fucking, you know, like, yes, it's supposed to be frightening, but it isn't, you know, it's not like we're going to like the, the, the like the jump scare bullshit of today. You know what I mean? We're going right. to actually craft a story and we're actually going to frighten you with the story not with the gimmicks we're going to frighten you with the story we're going to have some of the cool gimmicky shit in there too but it's going to be there to 
uh amplify the fucking story not the other way around you know what i mean which again it was a lot of fun if i if i read correctly and eugene may be able to, to confirm this is that uh predominantly the film was held up or ad adapting the film was held up because of the satanic panic that was going on in england at the time that there was a big hard push against against representations of anything considered satanic or demonic in british uh in british productions so like the censor was like all over that shit. And eventually they, they slowly started to kind of loosen up because that panic really didn't hit, uh, hit in America until the late seventies and the eighties going to that. So, but in, in England, they were really hardcore about that. Eventually they, they were able to push that through because there was definitely a lot of imagery in this one. Yeah. The, it's a nice, it's a transition because with hammer horror, hammer horror at this point, cause you're talking about 68, they've already done so many like, monster films and there's so many dracula films and so forth and so forth and they were starting to see at this point you can only tell so many stories so they decided to start branching off to some of the religious aspects scare the audience with something new mm -hmm. and so then you get you know the 68 let's just go ahead and let's just legit have satan in our film and actually put like actually put in fucking uh baphomet yeah, you know, or what what they call what what they call the um the fucking uh the goat of Mendez, but the 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 Baph Baphomet in the Baphomet, film was like, yeah. I was like, wow, they they really pushed. It's like, damn, just straight up show them, <laughs> just boom, just sitting there on top watching the like orgy happen, like exactly. So I I really appreciate the fact that they were like expanding on this one, and I see like Aaron Reese's comment. Uh, talking about how Christopher Lee wasn't happy with the quality of a lot of Hammer horror films, so this was something that he really, really pushed. And this was I mean, this is a fantastic film. I think the quality is top notch. The art department, the cinematography, all of it's on point. Performances we've already talked about on mm -hmm. point. It's just a strong film. This is probably one of the best Hammer horror films. The special effects also were really, really solid. The mat work that they did in this, you know, right. for the spider and for the for the illusions that were going on, yeah, was really well planned out. And yeah, I mean, they cut no corners. I and for I mean, for a 1960s film, I especially love that fucking car chase. That was, I mean, the the editing on that was fantastic. I didn't realize those cars could really go that fast. That looked really fucking dangerous <laughs> with those with those particular vehicles because. This is this is not their. I mean, those steering columns don't do what they do today, not in those days. And so it's like these. Cats there was like no power down, steering. It's like yeah. these motherfuckers run down this road like at sixty miles an hour. I saw that. I saw that like water coming up. I was, I was like, she's gonna spin out. She's gonna fucking spin out. There's <laughs> like no way to control that car. It was like all was good. And it was like there were some fantastic sequences in this movie. I loved it. I loved every stretch of it. It's it was fun. I mean. Uh... I, I had so much fun watching this movie that I'm almost willing to forgive you for putting the next movie on there. <laughs> oh, and seatbelts. Yeah, they did that. Yeah, those, I don't think that those... Seatbelts were optional in 1960. That, that was optional. a seatbelt. <laughs> seatbelts were optional seat until like in 1980s. I think right. No seatbelts. No seatbelts. No crumple. No airbags. No fucking airbag. You, when he when when the fog rolled in, when that when you have the mystical fog rolled in, and he lied, I was like, oh fuck, that dude is dead. It's like he is so dead. <laughs> like, fortunately, he was not because I really loved I really loved his character. But he like it was like oh shit. It was like oh yeah. It was like he's going to go through that fucking windshield. But he's like so done. Um, let me see. Uh, Casey Cooper says it was first proposed in 1963. The film eventually went ahead four years later once censorship worries over Satanism had eased. 
So yeah, the sensor really put a hammer on this. Ah. Uh, but they, they hammered it. They put, they put a hammer on it. <laughs> Aaron Reese's seatbelts were Aaron Reese's seatbelts were for pussies and communists. <laughs> you know who wants you to wear a seatbelt? The commies. They're restricting our freedoms, our freedom of movement. Oh, yeah, man, our, free, our freedom to that, go through the windshield at any point. Right. It's funny you say that. This is a similar point, but I, I remember uh I remember when like drinking and driving, that was always we never had a problem with that up until I want to say like 1984. I think it was 84 or something. It was early 80s when they passed a law in the states where you couldn't do that shit anymore. Right. And people in the south were fucking pissed. They're trying to tell you, you can't drink beer after a long day's worth of work. Like, yeah, not while you're driving. Yeah, I <laughs> saw not, not I while saw you're a driving. news report from <laughs> yeah. that from like 83, 84, where yeah. they're interviewing people driving. You're like, you're telling me I can't have a roadie? Like <laughs> when I'm like had no. a long day at work. <laughs> no, like, not while you're in like yeah. the operation of a death machine. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what we're telling you. Uh, <laughs> fuck. Cornell, his name says John Wayne never wore no stinking seatbelt. That's not true. I'm sorry. He used the reins as on the horse. I'm sorry. I I can't think of John Wayne without thinking of that scene when he like just hucked the kid <laughs> to the water. <laughs> and then his mom. And then his mom, like ten seconds later, like, "Oh, you can't swim either." There you go, bitch. Yeah. It's like, you, it's like so I, I don't know how to swim. <laughs> oh man! Uh, Nable says the only time Lee lost his shit is when giant talking trees were throwing boulders at his obsidian castle. That's true. That is when he lost his shit. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> uh, Sir Cavs says Nick, uh, Nick, uh, Nick, Nick's cage rage is the antithesis to Christopher Christopher Lee's British chill. Oh yeah! Imagine Christopher Lee in Mandy. That would have been a completely different movie. A One completely I different movie. would have enjoyed watching. I would have watched that. I, of course I would. I would have watched it. Yeah. Definitely. It could have been Christopher Lee's corpse fucking Weekend and Bernie style. I would have watched that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow it's still the best performance of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, speaking man. Speaking of Christopher Lee... Unless we have more we want to talk about, I, I, I mean, we, I could go on, we could go on for days about this film. I just, I know what's coming up next. I want to get it over with, so we can talk about good movies. All right. So speaking of Christopher Lee, <laughs> what I'm waiting on you, man. I, uh, I want to know what is your favorite Christopher Lee performance. Let me know in the side chat comment section down below, or weekendhorror at gmail.com where, uh, uh. God damn, I forgot his fucking name. I'm so sorry, Alex. I'm so sorry, Alex. I had a fucking like brain just turned off for a second when you're, <laughs> you're, you're, I saw your handsome face with the ponytail and all like Fabio fucking hair. And then I was like, oh, what is his name? Anyway, he needs, uh, he needs shithouse reading material. So send him those emails. Let's see. Eugene, JL. Damn. Sorry, Alex. Oh, best Christopher Lee role. Shit. All of them? Oh, wrapped into one just giant, awesome, just, oh, fucking body of work. Damn. Best Christopher Lee role. Fuck. It's difficult. It's that hard. Is a, that is a hard fucking question. It really is. Um, yeah, I was wondering why you made that the question. Like, fuck, I know. Because there's no wrong answer. None. There's not one wrong answer. There really isn't. I, I, I know that there will likely be a, a variety. 
though. Like sure. left-handed well, Jedi brings the, yeah. the man, uh, left-handed Jedi brings the man with the golden gun. Um, the man was super prolific to do. Uh, give me a top ten, and I'll try to work with that. Sir, sir, guys, give me a top ten instead. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, a lot of love. A lot of love for Saruman in uh-huh. here. Yeah. Uh, Josh Belize says 1941, the last unicorn, and definitely Count Dooku. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Again, he was uh, he was great as Count Dooku. Yeah, the best part about that fucking shit. I mean, uh, that movie. Oh, Seriously. and Josh Belize says love his heavy metal tracks. The dude. There was nothing the man couldn't do. Right. Nothing. Yep. I mean, you want to talk about living a full life. That's <sighs> like, I'm with, he's like, I'm going to achieve every dream I can possibly take and did it. Yeah. And then you know no time to spare. You know what's so fucking cool is that, is that Christopher Lee, Peter Cushing had back, uh, had back-to-back birthdays is that, Peter Cushing was born. His birthday was the day before Christopher Lee's. And then one month prior to that was Vincent Price. Mm. All born within a month of each other. Damn. That's pretty I tough. Thought that was so, I, was, I thought that was that, so that, cool. Yeah, that's... I don't, uh, I don't know what people are doing at the time, but they're doing it right. They were doing right. it right. <laughs> something, was, something was in the water in England. Just punching <laughs> them out, you know? <laughs> Left-handed Jedi says, spoke like eight languages, special forces, World War II... Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. Don't even, don't even fucking look at his shit outside of his acting career. Fuck. Oh my god, left hand, left hand Jedi. He was also related to Charlemagne. Of course, well course he was. Of course. Was. Of, course. Yeah. of course. Yeah. The fifth cousin <laughs> of Jesus Christ. Fuck. from Alexander the Great. The, like, yeah. the the original like Tolkien originally <laughs> wanted him to play Gandalf. Like that was the original intention was like he wanted like Lee wanted to play Gandalf and Tolkien wanted him to play Gandalf. Yeah, unfortunately, well, he you know, it, out of the park. And, yeah, unfortunately, it never happened until Jackson came along, and then he was like, "Well, then you know, because hey, Saruman that'll work." And he, yeah, I know you was, want to be Gandalf, but hear me out. No. all right but definitely let us know down in the comments below what your favorite christopher lee role of his amazing filmography is uh this one definitely made it into my top five uh devil rides out or the devil's bride was absolutely magnificent seriously though can you imagine that imagine audit because you know he he auditioned so whatever say for the role (laughs) Uh, a role that was written specifically for him and then you've got sir ian mckellen like nah i do it better i wouldn't want to make that phone call like peter jackson going um hey Mr. Lee, First year, you do it <laughs> <laughs> let's see if you've got the metal to be in this business for i will <laughs> i will say i will say christopher lee would be like it's like well well who is who is who do you have playing the role it's like well we decided to go with ian mckellen Okay, so you've escaped death this time. So it's like, you know, it's like, okay, that's. And what he would have said was, at least it wasn't Sir Patrick Stewart. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is, this is acceptable. Like, oh, yes. And apparently he was also knighted. So that's Sir Christopher Lee, you oh, yeah. fucking peasants. It's like, yes, Sir Christopher Lee, my apologies. Wasn't he the leader of the Knights Templar? Shit. <laughs> like, yeah, just. Wait, he was like engaged to like an Italian princess. And he's, the inspiration, he's the inspiration for James Bond. Yeah, so like, it's like because yeah. he because he was friends with Dennis Wheatley and with fucking Ian with uh, Ian. What's his name? Um, oh, Ian Fleming. 
Ian yeah. Fleming. It, yeah. uh, I had Ian McKellen in my head, but Ian Fleming and it's like the guy is just ubiquitous. He's come on, man, I'm an amazing human being. And not to mention his audio. I actually like listened to his audio uh, book of the Lord of the Rings. Fuck you. Uh, he was God. He was good. Yeah. Son of a bitch. All right. But yes, we have another movie to jump onto. And I gave myself this one. So you guys, As you have... should have exactly when there's medicine to be had, you should be the one to have it. <laughs> All right. Let's, so let's, let's jump this into this with. one. I know we're not going to spend too much time on it, but you know, it was there. It had to be covered and it's only going to be covered this once uh, released December 20th, 1989. We have a uh, monster high. Not much I can say about this one. And I guarantee you, we will not be pulling the TP 9,000 out on this one, but let's check out this. Uh, let's check out this fucking trailer. Son of a bitch. Cue up the terror too. It's gonna be in fucking Russian, by the way. <laughs> it's not in Russian, I swear. It would have been better in Russian. Oh. I refuse to show my face for the rest of this piece of shit. Now you guys get Gary Busey. <laughs> so that was Monster High, directed by Rudiger Poe and uh, written by Roy Langston and John Platt, starring Dean Iandoli, Diana Frank, David Marriott, and Robert Lind. And so the plot of the film is basically when aliens there ain't no bring, damn plot. When aliens bring a stolen doomsday device to Earth, it's up to a group of high school students to save the world. In essentially what the horror movie survival guide quotes as kind of like Michael Jordan's Space Jam, but much, much, much worse. It absolutely was uh, terrible. But I will. Okay, uh, <laughs> Travis Brown says looks like a Rift Tracks version of Third Rock from the Sun. It absolutely was. It looks like so, Wish.com version of Newcomb High. So essentially what it is, is like, yes, the, the, it looked, okay. It is definitely uh, in the vein of trauma. It is definitely in the vein I, I of... I just like watching you struggle. <laughs> well, I'm trying to find a way to put it. Okay, so the film in itself is very much in the vein of like of trauma films. At the time, in, in the late 80s, and pretty much the you know, late 70s to the 80s, uh, these kinds of cheap like little films that were shot really, really, you know, kind of haphazardly were kind of the rage in uh, the underground market and with uh big hits like uh like um class of or class of newcomb high and of course okay i just want to make sure oh wait it's like it looks like the live chat looks like froze no it's still going Dude. oh no i accidentally paused it my bad there we go so anyway but they were all kind of the rage and people were trying to copy trauma's quality or tra copy trauma's formula as best as they could and unfortunately, this is one of those ones that kind of punched its way through. It is absolutely fucking ridiculous. The only takeaway I have on this is that if you really look at the guy who played Mr. Armageddon, and I could not get this out of my fucking head. So tell me if I'm wrong, right? So the I think it's David Marriott. Does he not look like fucking Pedro pa if Pedro Pascal went a really wrong way? <laughs> there's actually a, I, I think well, there is. Yeah, if you take Pedro Pascal and you took away Pedro's <laughs> looks, talent, <laughs> acting ability, charisma, and everything else that makes Pedro Pascal as good as he is, you have this guy left over. This is a wish.com, wish.com version. <laughs> yeah. What happens when you order your trauma movie from wish.com? Um, but. I, I will give it. I will give it. I, I have to give it a little bit of credit. You no, can you tell don't. that. Okay, walk. Okay, walk me through it. Why? Uh, obviously, why? Do, why? Okay, why does trauma work, and why didn't this one work? 
So trauma original, original versus a copy. That's why. Well, trauma... what was his copying? What was his copying? Because it came out in '89. Copying trauma. Oh, okay, okay. So they're just ripping off that. So, but production-wise, Eugene, go ahead. Sorry. Trauma has a sincerity to it. There's a certain charisma when you look at a lot of trauma films, right? Especially the big one being like Toxic Avenger. There's a Toxic Avenger is fun to watch. And is it gonna is it gonna appease everybody? No, but the people who like that genre absolutely could could really enjoy it. The reason this doesn't work is because I've never watched a movie where they did the exact opposite choice of what I would have made in every step of production. <laughs> every everything is so bad in this movie. And what's worse is that it's trying to be a comedy. And comedies, a bad comedy is the worst. Because uh, if you have a bad drama, a bad drama can be funny. A bad horror film can be unintentionally funny, right? If a bad comedy was funny, it wouldn't be a bad comedy. It would be a good comedy. Right. So a bad comedy is just awkward. It's like someone telling you a really bad joke. And then they're like waiting for you to laugh. And they're just waiting. And they're waiting. And that happens for two hours or an hour and a half. Like, it's just, it's so many bad, bad choices from the narrator choice, from the casting, from the two aliens that have the most annoying voices ever, to the the apocalypse guy who somehow has annoying voice on the other side of the sound spectrum. (laughs) Like, it's, there's nothing about this film that is fun quirky the internet wants to forget about this film like it was hard to find and and then it's and on top of that it's monster high but they're aliens think about it there there were monsters in it because because mr armageddon was running around turning everything into monsters is essentially what it was so you have like the the money no 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 because it's all still alien based they're aliens. It's true. It's true. It does. It's around uh, an alien stealing a doomsday device and bringing it to Earth, and the doomsday device looks like a basketball. Yeah. Right. Yes. We'll because uh, you know, basketballs are doomsday. Yeah. Why not? I I don't know. It does. Okay. So there's not this a lot. This is of what these- happens when you get lawn darts to write your film but the people throwing the lawn darts don't have arms (laughs) (laughs) don't worry that's gary Busey saying this not johnny (laughs) um yeah unfortunately uh Aaron Reese says, uh, Weekend Horror, wasn't this one a chop film? Um, I don't know. I don't even think they want to fucking uh, claim this one. I I don't know how. But see, this is the thing that I feel bad for. That's why I feel bad for about the crew of this film, right? So you have all... We had a crew? <laughs> oh, no. 
This is why I feel bad for them because you have all this ridiculousness that goes on, right? Just so much. And you're gonna tell me usually when you get a movie of this quality, like every single thing, like crew, camera, sound, all that kind of stuff is bad. But you're gonna tell me you're gonna have a film that has this bad. And then you're going to have smooth cinematic camera movement throughout. So one person, the guy I feel bad for, the DP of this film, that I feel bad, who probably was one step away from being arrested by the IRS for tax fraud. So you had to do this film. Because, listen, it's lit like a normal film. If you really think about it, it's lit like a normal film. We've seen other films that have come out since this that look terrible. Yeah, I was I was going to ask you this: uh, Monster High or The Butcher? Uh, why? Why would you say? Why would you say? Would you like this liquid shit green sandwich or this liquid shit purple sandwich? It doesn't fucking matter. They're both liquid shit sandwiches. It's disgusting. I. I might have to go. Oh my I'm, god, the butcher! You think the butcher's better I than think, this one, I don't think you? The butcher's a better film. <laughs> the butcher pissed me off, and oh, capacity! I think I could ever be that mad watching a movie about this movie was just like I kept just waiting for the end. I'm, I'll say this about the butcher: the butcher made more sense than this piece of shit. It did. There was, I, I essentially, if you look at the script, this just you know, narratively speaking, there's way too much fucking shit going on. I can see the elements that they tried to take from other movies, and they were packing it all into one kind of like smorgasbord of of just zaniness, trying to come up with this idea. I got throughout throughout the whole thing, just you know, despite the fact that virtually everybody in the damn movie is phoning their shit in, except for I'll give him credit. I will give him credit. David uh, David Marriott was not phoning that in. That guy went fucking full tilt balls to the wall in that Mr. Armageddon role. But everybody else, Dean, Iandoli, Diana Frank, Robert Lynn, everybody is like phoning that shit in. Everything was fucking ridiculous. But they were pulling from other movies like, you know, there were there were uh, throwbacks to Revenge of the Nerds. There was throwbacks yeah. to uh, a bunch of different trauma films. Essentially trying to pack as much shit into one thing as they possibly could with no regard for like, you know, flow of narrative or any kind of story beats or anything of that nature. Is just kind of like let's throw as much gory stuff, let's throw as much you know sex stuff, let's you know whatever. Although I find it hilarious that Diana Frank, who played Can- who played Candace Kane, haha, Candy Kane. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Diana Frank did does at the time in her career does not did not do uh, topless, and so all three scenes where you see her like that, that's why you never see her face. And there were three different body doubles utilized her throughout the, throughout the entire production. <laughs> so you never actually see the goods. So that was, you know, one of the little details behind that. Yeah. Three body doubles for Diana Frank's breasts. That's why they all, all three sets of titties look different. It's like, wait, those are not the same titties. Those are the same. Wait a second. We got three different titties here. So it's, you know, little things like that. I mean, there were some, there were a couple of moments I thought were cute. Like the, the 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 tennis shoes, like eating it, like eating the kid, and like the shit like that. And of course, they stole the whole like you know computer thing, taking him. They stole it straight out of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, where the yeah. you know turns him into the, the computer monster thing. But obviously, ripped from a whole bunch of other shit. I honestly think this was probably a film, like you said, the DP might have you know been into the IRS and needed a movie really quick. But <laughs> I think this is one of those scripts to get off the books, one of those things to just kind of punch out and try to make a few dollars on. 
really cheap to make. There was no script. This was there like was, a really had to bad be. Larry David version of a script, right? <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing. At least Larry David knew how to take his just scene headers and setups and have some sort of cohesiveness to it. Dude, I'm telling you, if David Marriott ad-libbed all that shit as Mr. Armageddon, that's pretty fucking talented. There had to have been a script. But if he, if he came up with all that shit off the dead, it's like, hey, you're going to be a character named Mr. Armageddon. This is what he looks like. This is what we're going to dress you up like. Fucking run with it. You got a boss. And that's the, that's what he gave us. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. They came in with like a one, sh- like a single sheet of paper that had a couple of words scribbled on it. We're like, yeah. All right. Well, this is what we're rolling with here. This is our movie. <laughs> so Rhode Island says script, sound, lighting, actors. Now nah, let's spend the budget on DP. And yeah, they definitely did that because fucking hell that the sound quality in this movie was a fucking atrocious. I rarely. I mean, surprised? I've heard of bad. I've heard of bad. Oh no! I have before. I will say this: as far as sound goes, this is up there, like at, at minimum top three of worst sound I've heard in a film. I you know because there was there was another movie we talked about that was about the chick who turns the chick who gets assaulted and turns into a werewolf, and then exacts her revenge as a werewolf. We talked about that one a few, uh, a few weeks ago. The sound was spotty, you know. There were sections where the sound was bad. All the ADR was fucking horrible in that one. But at least there were moments where it was good. In this one, the sound is awful at all times. I don't know if they didn't have lav mics. I don't know if they didn't have a good boom. I don't know if they didn't know how to hang a fucking, you know, mic from the goddamn ceiling so they could keep it out of frame. I don't know what the fuck was going on, but the balance in this was atrocious. Oh, so, it's so, it's so they bad. They didn't know what was going on. Fuck. Oh, no, they didn't. They tried to cover up the bad sound with really, really bad music. Like, really? like That was way too our... loud. That was way too loud and overwhelmed the fucking dialogue. Yeah. So you have, like, this really super cheap synthesizer because 80s, right? So yeah. we got a cheap synthesizer, and then we'll just have some zany music. And, like... Throughout, like where she's like running and just oh my, yeah, it's so bad. Rodeo, Rodeo, so it was less coherent than a Tim and Eric's awesome show episode. <laughs> yes, less coherent. It actually was. There was just way too much in this one. But Jess uh, says <laughs> maybe they'll remaster it. Monster High in 4K. We don't need it. We don't want it. We you know just like I said, the movie is not hard to find. It's free on YouTube if you dare to go watch it. If you haven't watched it, if you didn't subject yourself to it yet, uh, but I did watch it, and it's on YouTube. Just look up Monster High 1989. You can find it there, and it's just not great. Like but, you know, YouTube doesn't care that it's off. No yeah. one does. It's just maybe. Yeah, I would say this is definitely as far as like You're the most deadly thing in the water. <laughs> A shark fart. That makes more sense than that fucking movie we just saw. <laughs> Thank you, Gary Busey. But yeah, but the one thing, so given this, you know, given the wake of horrible films we got in the post-trauma landscape, once trauma had established itself, we got magnificent movies coming out from Le- from Lloyd Kaufman and all of the copycats that came along. Uh, I have to, I have to say that this movie, that Monster High, is ostensibly kind of like a you know a goofy horror comedy uh, or parody. If you want to even go that far, where it's you know it's like you know riffing off what other people have done, um, and what other what other better movies did. So, but it, it, what this made what this movie watching this movie made me want to do is it made me want to ask, what is everybody's favorite 
goofy or parody horror film? Killer Clowns. Your favorite ones. Obviously not this one, because all watching this one do is made me want to watch other better films. So I will say this. The only credit, and the credit I was going to give the film, is that it made me appreciate the other movies I've seen all that much more. It made me want to change this show from weekend horror to weekend drama. Fuck. I feel like it's the movie you show a kid if you don't ever want them to get into filmmaking. Yep. Like they're like, well, oh, you know, I'm just well, going to good die now. <laughs> it's a good one. It's a good one to know what not to do. You know, it's like, don't make these mistakes. You know, like, don't do this. I, I have a feeling, though, if you need this particular movie to teach somebody what not to do, they've already failed. <laughs> Sarcasm <laughs> says, guys, there's no need to be so, so nice just because they actually made a movie. Tell us how you really feel. Oh, it's hot garbage. Uh, this movie well, no, hot like, garbage would be an improvement. This movie was like wiping hemorrhoids with sandpaper. This movie is an insult to other movies because it's the same noun. There needs to be a new oh. word for something like this. They need to call this... I don't know what the fuck to call this. Trash. <laughs> Garbage. I'm, that's an Brody insult was, to trash. I know. Was, they recorded the soundtrack on the display model keyboard in the mall music store. <laughs> yep, that, uh, that knockoff Casio. Yeah. But in, in the wake of that, we do have some good ones. Tony Regime brings up Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Magnificent. Oh, oh, yeah. movie is so good. Wrote that movie is so funny. Rodan Ellison brings up Student Bodies, mm. also a good one. Travis Brown brings up to Toxic Avenger and Young Frankenstein. Yes. Fuck yeah. Cindy Sue, Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Uh, Strange <laughs> Like 790, uh, Hysterical. Tomatoes. The best part Travis, of that movie is that fucking song. <laughs> Travis Brown, Return of the Killer Tomatoes for him. Uh, Aaron Reese brings up Slither. Fuck yes. Scary uh, Angel Rivera with Scary Movie. Um, yeah, so many good ones. Tony Regime, Once Bitten, Love at First Bite, Repossessed, Tucker and Dale, Arachne, you know, Joshua Lee, Arrested, Arachnophobia, Shaun of the Dead. Um, yeah, so many good ones. <laughs> so many still, good ones. I'm still going to be on Killer Clowns. And Joshua Lee says Cannibal the Musical. Fuck yes. So many good ones. Oh, good ones. But yeah, the dead of Lynn Snow down in the comments okay, or at gmail.com. Your favorite goofy parody horror film and how much this movie made you appreciate that movie more. Love to hear that. This movie, so you, this movie, move me. This movie made me like Mandy. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I still, I still don't believe you in that you don't like Mandy. I, I do don't. not fucking I, believe you at all. I think you are just playing a bit. I think this is a bit that works for you, and you are running with it. And I applaud you, sir, for your I, for your dedication to the role. But that movie is fucking glorious and you know So, whereas you are correct, I am playing a bit, but I I didn't, I really didn't uh, like Mandy. I, I just didn't, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, here's the thing, and I've told people this before, and I want to make sure and say this every now and again, because I, I don't want people to think that I just a fucking hater. I'm not. There, this is a bit that I'm playing. Um, whereas some of the things that I don't like, I don't like, right? Like this last movie, fuck that movie. Okay, I fucking hate it. And I'll tell them filmmakers to the faces you made fucking garbage i think they know it which is the reason why they're trying to erase it from the internet but <laughs> at the end of the day yeah i lean into the bit because it's funny it's fun to riff off kind of these things anybody who's listening to the sound of my voice if i have talked shit about your movie most of the time it's just me playing a character okay um whereas i don't particularly care i don't particularly care for nicholas cage um and that's what took it out. Uh, that's what took me out of Mandy. I don't. I don't like the way that he performs. It's just not 
my cup of tea. Now, like what you like and, you know, do what you do. But, you know, at the end of the day, I do I do lean into the character a little bit. So because it's fun. <laughs> but I don't like Mandy. <laughs> I don't believe you. <laughs> Johnny never tells. All me. right. We got one more to talk about. We're going to end on an extremely high note. So we're going like, you know, fucking sea level to Mount Everest with this one. Sea level. Uh, <laughs> no, we're like, Mariana sorry, Trench. Mariana <laughs> Trench. Sorry, Mariana <laughs> Trench to fucking Mount Everest with this one. Yeah. Casey Cooper, you shut your whore mouth. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that's why I said, yeah. I said what I said. All right. Eugene, take us home. What do we got last? Yeah, bring us up to this. this I, I, love how Casey, I love how Casey Cooper, like four, three or four times in chat's like, anyway, invasion of body snatcher. <laughs> anyway, invasion of the body snatcher. <laughs> but that's right. The time has finally come. We have Invasion of the Body Snatchers released yeah, December buddy. 22nd. 1978. Roll it! That is Invasion of the Body Snatchers, directed by Philip Kaufman, starring Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy, a very, very young Jeff Goldblum, and Veronica Cartwright. And basically you have alien spores from space that end up on Earth and they begin duplicating people and killing off the originals to take over the entire earth and shit gets real i gotta say uh this is a movie that's been remade i think four times no three times uh there was the original 50s version there was this one in 78 then there was a 94 version i want to say and then there was that shitty one that happened with Nicole Kidman, <clears throat> Nicole Kidman and Daniel Craig uh, yeah, invasion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, out of out of all four of those films, uh, this is by far my favorite uh, version. I really i i got i got to throw it out there because Kevin McCarthy because you know the the original uh, version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers Kevin McCarthy was amazing in that and, yeah oh uh, no it was know, great like, yeah. The, yeah. the like in the in the camera oh they're covering you know, like that and I loved that little throwback that Kaufman put in this one, bringing Kevin McCarthy back and he, and he hits the windshield and he's yelling at him. He's like, he yeah. was, it wasn't the same character, but Kaufman himself said that he loved the idea that from the, from the first movie to this one is like, Kevin McCarthy's just this guy who's been running around banging on cars the whole time, trying to tell people and warn them. <laughs> so it's just been nonstop. So he, got, he gets hit by a car. I thought that was hilarious. I was like, I love that they threw that in there. And they're like, what the fuck is this guy? Cause this guy doing, and then boom, uh, it was a nice throwback. But every piece of this, and I think what really what really ramps it up is obviously the 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 level of uh, detail they put into the effects of the obviously the, yes. the things being oh, duplicated mm -hmm. and everything. And I found something similar. On the, what I found really really cool is that very similar to the Blob. If you look at the difference between the 1958 version of the Blob and the 1988 version of the Blob, in this one, the 1954 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the 1978 version, is that you have a story that can that is essentially ubiquitous. It's kind of like you know, with that one, it was like the 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 outside presence coming to take you to like coming to like steal your identity or trying to like make you like force you to conform. It's essentially the kind of same thing here. But it applies differently in this respect. With 1954, it was definitely the communist scare in this one. But in this one, it was in the sense of the very much of the government because they, you know, this was short, I think shortly after Watergate, 
and the kind of like evils of yeah. the government were coming out and those who fell in line and just, you know, it, you know, bought the party line. Those are the people you need to be concerned about. And that level of conformity and losing your identity to wow. the party itself. I think there were reflections of that, you know, given what was going on, especially with, you know, uh, Vietnam and the, you know, well, the, the beauty the part movie. about this, you still have cold war uh, tropes written through, right. throughout this whole thing, because we were, we were still, I mean, we were still, I think, what, 14 years after the, uh, the you know, the like when the whole big Cuba and all the other bullshit. So right. that was still prevalent in people's minds, which is awesome because, you know, you're able to take something that was very much uh, Red Scare, the 1950s version, and still utilize the Red Scare because it was fresh. It was still kind of fresh in people's minds. And then, you know, you had the Kennedy assassinations. You had, like you're talking about, this is what happens when you tow the party lines or get swept up in identity politics which i think this one kind of really leaned into a lot more than simply just the red scare the commies are coming the commies are coming like this is what happens when you go with the flow so to speak or just fall in line with whatever like you identify with three out of ten things that this party falls with so you automatically identify with the other 10 things as well, or the other seven things as well um like the dangers of that the dangers of allowing that type of influence to kind of run and control you um so this film one of the reasons why i enjoy this film so much is because they were able to pull that original idea the red scare idea and then expand on it with right. more current events of the time uh, again um i like that i like the 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 gaslighting techniques like you yes. know leonard nimoy obviously you know it, it, yeah. the, what the role he was in is like essentially how the government gaslights its own people right. in order to thinking like if there is no war in bossing say that kind of shit to kind of like throw it for those uh airbender fans out there but how he's essentially sitting there gaslighting everybody around him and actually making them question their own realities the things that they're seeing are not right. what they're actually seeing and that was essentially all coming the from the, the point of a psychiatrist as well. From, from, so, the, from, the person, yeah. Yeah, the, from the person with the greatest authority in the room you on, know, on that particular that particular phenomenon. Right. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? This this like I said, this movie just captures the themes that you uh, so well of who can you really trust in this whole yeah. situation? Like, here's this authority who, like you said, is gaslighting. But we tend to believe this authority because they have the credentials, they have the this, they have that behind their name. And you know, you got to question that kind of thing. Don't just believe what this person tells. It, it's so good. Like the, the the narrative is so good in this. And this of course, is... Leonard Nimoy is a fucking boss. Oh, yeah, so. that that okay because you know you love him as like virtually everything he does. And of course, you know yeah. I loved him you know as Spock, and of course, and I loved his you know how when he was singing the song, you know singing the the Hobbit song and everything. I loved this shit like that. But then yeah that sequence when he is there and they, they go to meet him at the party. And I love the frenetic energy of this. Everybody's kind of involved in their own shit, kind of like bumping around at each other and brilliant cinematography there, by the way, while they're at the party and you know that this event is taking place. We, as the audience know, and the only people who ever were, you know, they, they showed reflections, but the, the mirror was distorted so that the people who were being reflected were the main characters who were the ones who were not taken. So right. they were the outsiders as opposed to the people in the party, I found that like just brilliant little, right. little like little hints all the way all throughout the movie, a little like kind of like you know things to back it up. But Nimoy, fucking, it pissed me off when he's sitting there with 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 a Brooks character and he is just fucking gaslighting the shit out of her. Yep. yep. You know, and she fucking and she buys it. She's like, 
I don't know. I, I like she's got her questioning her own reality because he's right. he's so fucking good. Well, because, because that's gaslighting. That's gaslighting in its purest form. Because gaslighting starts with some form of truth, and yep. that that what right. keeps expanding and expanding and expanding on it. And that's how when you have like say political parties and this other 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 different form of the government, how they get people to believe. Like when you look at Germany in nazi germany right in the 30s and the early 40s they didn't just start off with hey jews are bad right kill them all because then the country was known but it's like hey we're we're struggling right now hey you notice how your neighbor that one business is thriving while the rest of the country's starving you're like right. yeah mm-hmm. okay you know they need to be spreading what they're holding our country back you know what Let, let's let's actually let's take them away so we can distribute the wealth more and it builds and builds and builds to the point where they're like hey we're gonna put them in camps and, and commit genocide and the country's like okay yeah uh, we honestly think that's the best that's the same kind of themes that are in this movie. And this is why this is so, one of the best stories that has come out of just film in general, because you can do it to gaslighting to his relationship for just a person or from the government aspect of it and how it works and how as more and more people succumb to the creature, it puts more peer pressure on you. Because mm-hmm. then it's like, what, you're not going to the rally? But but Hitler's going to be there. Right. Or, yeah. or, or, I guess you're not patriotic, are you? Right. <clears throat> it, it was that it was that overwhelming and that growing. If you like imagine being in this scenario, like for, for Angela, Angela was watching with me and she says, this kind of scenario is what creeps her out the worst. It's because <clears throat> you never know who to trust, but it's also about things get more and more precariously worse as things progress because it's like what exactly you're going to do because the further it spreads and the longer you're able to not 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 be changed like your options become more and more limited you it's the helplessness that comes in as all of your right. options are stripped away from you and trying to think like that and then have that kind of mentality is just it's so antithetical to what we are and it's so terrifying to have your identity stripped away from you in that in that regard and so, you know, like you, and I couldn't help but, you know, kind of like Sutherland brings it across in such a way <clears throat> in kind of like the really smart, but almost every man kind of style is kind of like mm-hmm. the kind of like dude who's trying to do right, but, you know, trying to do right, but trying to be smart and trying to be intelligent by this in an increasingly extreme scenario. And just, you know, it was a performance in the performances in this that sold it. I loved, you know, like, and, and plus, you know, early, early Jeff Goldblum. I just, I love that that man has not changed his style. Not in 45. Because we're talking about this movie on the 45th anniversary of this film. Right. So 45 years since the movie came out, that man has not needed to change. He is fucking perfect no. in everything he does. I love that. And the fact that he went out with a, you know, like a dart to the brainstem. It's like, that was brutal. But man. Oh man, fuck. yeah. This, uh, so identity being, I like that you brought up the identity thing that, you know, the, the fact that, you know, like I said, there's so many good things that happen in this movie, the, the narrative around identity and what it is to be you, what, what does it mean to be you and watching that stripped away and then watching your friends, their identity being changed into something that's conformist, so to speak, or vastly different than the person that, you know, it's just so many, so many beats that just get hit on this in this film. Um, like I said, I remember I remember watching the I think it was 1994 version uh, before I saw this one. And 
it was okay you know i it was okay it wasn't great um was that the uh that was the one with gabrielle anwar yeah 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 Yeah. that was on the mill that was on the military base military base yeah Yeah. Yeah. uh like i said it was okay uh i thought it was a little hokey uh the effects were kind of kind of cool but I, I wasn't super impressed with it. I didn't hate it. I didn't wasn't, but it wasn't something I was like, oh, I gotta watch this movie. And then I watched the '50s version, thinking that was better. And then I saw this one, and I was like, fuck, this is. <laughs> you know how like Trent Reznor says that Johnny Cash, oh, that you know that Hurt is a Johnny Cash song. Mm-hmm. I would equate the '78 version of Body Snatchers that way. Like this is really is this is the original because. I know it's not. Calm down, people. Well, it definitely justifies. I mean, justifies remakes. I mean, this it is, is why, one. Yeah. This one yeah. time. It was not one time, but it's one of the very rare occurrences where it outdid the original by fucking leaps and bounds. This is this is a remake done right. Yes, this is this is how you do a remake because you not only do you update the technology that you have access to. And change a little bit of the themes here and there, but you still capture the essence, and it's still something that applies. Go ahead, have a safe night, B. Blanco. Take it easy, B. Blanco. And but the things, a lot of those themes still apply today. That's the one thing when you remake something, and you want to make it for modern audiences because if you take people, uh, like say people teenagers, young twenties, it's hard to get them to watch movies from the 50s and 60s so you remake them today they're in color better sound all this other kind of stuff but this is a story that you can constantly keep relating to because there's always this idea of collectism and no matter what time period it is it's always something that's relevant and you can you can mold it to something today but you can make it so you can relate to it that's why the story is so good yeah there's a fascinating kind of, and, and kind of the same thing uh, applies. I'm glad somebody in the live chat brought it up was uh, Carpenter's The Thing, which came out in 1981, just a, a couple of years after this one. That and Cindy Sue brings up is what reminded me of, uh, that the Jonestown Massacre took place in 1978. It actually took place, I think, about a month before this movie released. Mm-hmm. And Cindy Sue brings up was really the last gasp of the hippie free love generation, cementing the idea that communitarianism was a complete failure. And the shock of that when that hit the when that hit the wire and people finding out what happened at Jonestown and then this movie comes out and it just it, it was kind of very similar to the when the thing dropped was right at the time that the uh, the HIV AIDS pandemic was beginning when back when they called it grit that that was beginning to become you know, a national thing was kind of like hey there's this disease that people have that you can't tell if they have it. And so they have to tell you if they did. It's kind of like, oh, shit, because it threw everything. Now, all of a sudden, you know, the, the entire fundamental you know, concept of these interpersonal relationships has to change, you know, because now they're more dangerous than they were. And this and this, this, that, you know, I think Jonestown did for this film what that did, you know, kind of reflecting the things that go on it, in society. It, it really does, because when you think about the Jonestown massacre. That how it took place and you have the kool-aid and everything and you have the first couple of people that start drinking the kool-aid and they start dying and it's still it's a painful death it's not like you just go to sleep and you're just gone it's a, it's yeah. a painful death cyanide makes you it essentially makes you bleed out internally it, it's it's it is painful and you keep in mind it was like something like 950 like 949 950 people died so you have the first people started dying and 
when you start getting to the two, three, four hundredth person going through, how that peer pressure is still pushing people to put the collective over their own self. Yep. Now, there were some people that ran and some people tried to escape. And uh, there's, uh, there were people, there were a small number of people that did try to get away. But for the most part, that 900th person, pure collection, made them take their own life. So it's something that's super relevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, oh, Elizabeth, this is here. Good to see Elizabeth, who's been yeah, a member of the Army of the Dead for three months. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. We do appreciate that. Uh, Ronald Sambo like to bring up they live carry some of the some of similar themes. Yep. Absolutely mm-hmm. does. It does as well. So yeah, I love this one. And I gotta give you know you got we gotta you know that that twist ending in there at the end that is really really awesome because uh, Veronica Cartwright, who in my opinion does like insane freak out better than most actors. I think she's ever uh, ever since you know I saw her in Alien. And right. she's like the one who does the panic, like you know, just the like the the absolute like out of her yeah. mind panic. And she you know does it magnificently here. But apparently, as it turns out, that that ending was not the original ending that was planned. That uh, McCarthy and Siegel actually played a role in shaping that. And he says, "Well, what if we did this?" And apparently, it was so hush hush that the only people that knew were McCarthy, Siegel, Kaufman, and Sutherland. And Sutherland didn't know until the day of shooting. And that it was not lighted, and that they couldn't confirm it, but that Veronica Veronica Cartwright likely did not know what was going to happen either. That she would see uh, David. Um, I'm going to make sure I yeah, got his name right. Yeah, so though she would see Matthew. She Matthew, would see Matthew, yeah. and then go to approach him, and then Donald Sutherland did the thing, and then that was, you know, that, and so she didn't see it coming either. So She's got I, a, kind of a soft history of them just like springing shit on her. like Springing you know. shit on her, yeah. right. <laughs> so we can get that we can get that Veronica Cartwright reaction. Yeah. Uh, I love the way she, because I love the way she freaks out. Just like, you know, when she's just, she ah, is I can't a, take this anymore. <laughs> this, this movie cemented her as a uh, final girl and a scream queen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Fox and the thing is, one. The, this ending is what makes it so fantastic because yes. they win. Yeah, yeah, that, right. Yeah, I mean, just hands down, you have when you look, we look at take of all of our technological advances and everything the human race can do. If we are faced with the pod people, they will win. Yeah, because we falling asleep, they can take you, they can replicate you, and they can already take key members of authority that you see yep. key members of government and then already start turning over how quickly it is to the point where like she's alone she has no mm-hmm. chance at all whatsoever i don't care who you are yeah. you don't have a chance they win right yeah no chance of it yeah and that that sequence when he's going through all the calls, he's suddenly realizing that he's being cut off no matter who he tries to contact. That they they're in full control of it. And he keeps getting stonewalled every like at every angle, and then when he starts answering the phone, and they know who it is. He's like, oh fuck. He's like, that's yeah. not yet. Yeah, oh man, the hopelessness. And yeah, Cindy Supreme's that ending made me feel hopeless. Is like yeah, in the sequence like that, it's like how like how would you do it? Because it's they're just it's like it's like zombies. If zombies were a thing. Every person that dies gets up and joins the dead. You, I right. mean, so any person they kill becomes an enemy all of a sudden. And it's the same kind of concept. But also, conformatism, joining the herd. 
being a member of the group. Zombies reflect that as well as an, you know, an alien species coming out and taking us over and stripping us of who we were. So, you know, just the idea of identity loss. Yes, it's very scary because, Timeless. you know, that's one of those films that where like maybe the pod people thing is far-fetched, but the idea of losing your own identity, that is something that everybody, everybody wrestles with. That goes back identity. to like that, that goes back to like Jekyll and Hyde, you know, goes, that, yeah. like any kind of like fuck, like law, the entertainment. loss of self. Yeah. Right. Fuck entertainment. That goes back to like the basis of what we are as a as a species. Like, how do we identify ourselves? How do we choose? Like, I wear this hat because I'm trying to identify myself as a Texas Rangers fan, right? But that's like you know, whatever superficial, but even still, like all the choices that we make, like, why are you wearing that shirt? Why do you have a, you know, a six foot fucking Jason behind you? Hey, it's fucking cool. But um, like those things, they're, they're testaments to your identity. And all of a sudden now we're going to change that about you. We're going to make you question your own identity. That's something that people have wrestled with for millennia. Fucking, uh, what was uh, Eugene, Eugene, that movie, THX 11. Oh, THX 1138. 1138 where yeah. you know, the, and then like concepts like brave new world and right, right yeah. yeah like going all the way yeah it's just fuck dude it's like yeah uh, the trope of questioning identity again it all it's it will always work especially when done right especially when you yeah. levy it when you especially when it's a matter of, of the bargain because yes you know not like not, like travis brown brings up 1984 as well yep. the idea that exchanging the exchanging that which is precious to you the idea that which makes you you you're the identity of who you are in exchange for what that sacrifice can bring you because us you know essentially in the invasion of the body snatchers world and you know on that planet there if they when they win there will be no uh there will be no war there will be no poverty there will be no you know literally all negative things around the planet have ended like all of that in exchange right. for who you are so there's that that constantly right. like what, everybody's what would, the same if, if you could right. solve this problem what would you give up to do it how far are you willing how to far go? are you willing to go right. right yeah how much how much is we and i know a couple people commented about uh what i said about jonestown listen i'm not saying that everybody was happy drinking the flavor aid um on that but when you think about it, the number of people that had guns versus the number of people that were part there. So you had 100, 150 so people that had guns, maybe a little bit less than that, versus, say, 800 people that weren't. I'm going to tell you right now, would there be casualties? But 800 people without guns can over overrun um, 100 people with guns at close proximity. Yeah. It can it can happen. Will there be deaths? Absolutely. Yeah. But the thing was, is it was the succumbing to the pressure. And that's what Invasion of the Body Snatchers is. It's succumbing right. to the pressure to the point where you have the true believers. They're holding gun. They're holding a gun to you. And instead of going, hey, I could fight and I might die, but I might live or let me choose certain death. Most, I will not say all, most chose the certain death instead of fighting back, which they may die. That's what I mean right. in terms of the Jonestown massacre, how that plays. I want to answer Josh, this question here. Oh, yeah, yeah. go ahead. I was, was just thinking the, that. Was this the start of movies and theaters that had bad set endings? No. Uh, in fact, you can go back to Night of the Living Dead that had a bad, sad ending. I think that's, I want to say that's the first one that I can remember. 
I, I say that as if I were alive in the 60s, but uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just mean in my lexicon of knowledge, which isn't as vast, but I think I want to say Night of the Living Dead was when that trope started to change. So back, you know, back in the, the 40s and 50s and in the early 60s, there was, you know, you had the certain, what's it called? The, um, uh, the code, the, ha- the uh, Hayes code. I was, yeah, I was just code, thinking right. the Hayes code. Yeah. You had the Hayes code that dictated that film horror films specifically had to have a happy ending that the good guys had to win somehow. Um, and then you had, you know, you had night of living dead, which said, okay, cool. The good guys are going to win, but it's not going to be the good guys. I've been showing you this entire film. Right. So that I think was probably more the, uh the lat the like the beginning of the pushback against that whole trope that you know good guys have to win and Sydney sue i do know thx 1138 i just i haven't thought about that movie in forever but yes robert duvall fantastic movie i you know, remember that um so yeah it's one of my favorite and of course Ter- travis brown brings up terry gilliam's brazil which yes absolutely the conformity expected of you as an adult which essentially because that's terry gilliam's uh trilogy in which Time Bandits is childhood, Brazil is adulthood, and Adventures of Baron Munchausen is uh, old age and death. So, <clears throat> but that's the, the the themes of that. But yeah, it you know it's timeless. It go you know it can be applied to virtually any time. And I think it will always be one of the big fears of humanity is you know being stripped of that which makes you you. Definitely. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. I would like to ask the audience. What do you consider is the best invasion adaptation? So we got the, he's like, we got 1950s, uh, I think it's 1954, we have 1978, we have 1994, uh, I can't think of the one 2000, I think it was what, like, yeah, 2008, 2009, yeah, 2008, 2009, yeah, don't forget the faculty, don't forget about the faculty, the faculty, 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 faculty in 2001. Uh, uh, remind me i think it's like early 2000s i want to yeah. say that was i thought that was like late yeah it's 1998 that's right that's right yeah. 98 same same year that i know what you did last summer came out yeah, yeah. that's right two years and, after scream yeah and right. see i like the point that road no last name said is that's why the borg is so scary yeah right star trek's the borg yep. yeah because it's like we'll take your individuality and add it to our collectiveness resistance is futile like it's yep. just that we're going to insimulate you and that's our whole purpose assimilate the universe because then it's peace yep but it's really the type of peace that everybody wants so right but uh, puppet masters as well as another invasion yeah. um yep. uh, based off Heinlein's work yep right yeah 1978 invasion of the body snatchers for me is is the best adaptation of this. yeah agreed i like I, I would say number one def- yeah, i think number one is the 1978 version um the close second is the 1954 because Kevin McCarthy was fucking awesome. I love Kevin McCarthy. I I love the fact that his name is Kevin McCarthy and the movie is so much about McCarthyism. So it's fucking great. Very apropos. Yeah, yeah, right. But uh, definitely let us know down in the comments below which 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 version of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which adaptation is your absolute favorite. So which you or which one you think is the best. So definitely tell us why. Love to hear what people think. And uh, leave it down in the comments or at weekendhorror.gmail.com. 
All right. Oh, and Aaron Reese did say, going back to Monster High, says, if I made fun of your movie, it was just a bit. Except for Monster High, you're a piece of shit for making this. Yes, (laughs) you can quote me on that. You can quote me. That's me right there. That's Johnny O circa 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, guess what? You know what time it is. What time is it? It's trivia time. Fucking nerds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right. That is correct. It is trivia time. Get your Google fingers ready. I'll give you two seconds. One, two. All right, here we go. Uh, tonight's trivia question brought to you by the fine gentlemen at Weekend Horror. That's right, www.weekendhorror.com for all of your horror needs. Check us out on the socials. Anyway, uh, here we go. Jack Arnold's first sci-fi horror film, It Came from Outer Space, was adapted from what legendary author's original screen treatment? One more time, Jack Arnold's first sci-fi horror film, it came from outer space, was adapted from what legendary author's original screen treatment? First person put inside chat wins. What do we win? We still doing mystery items? Win a special item from the Weekend Horror Store. Well, we have right. season five stuff. Season we do have the, yeah, that includes the season five stuff. Yeah. Season five stuff good. Boom, we got it. Oh, he's the first one up. No, Travis, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> No, wrong you, on principle. No. You're wrong on, yeah. <laughs> congratulations. Yes, congratulations. Yes. Uh, that was the, oh, there they are. Now they're coming in. So, uh, yes, Travis Brown, he got it. He was the first one and he got it correct. It was Ray Bradbury. Ray Bradbury actually wrote five original screen treatments, but eventually one of them was uh, was whittled down and became the adaptation. It, it came from outer space, but it was originally from the mind of, of legendary author Ray Bradbury. And see, Sarcasm got Bradbury. Casey Cooper said, the meteor Heinlein. <laughs> and Sarcasm says, damn it, Travis. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's really <laughs> All right. Let me make sure I got that name down. Yeah, let's make sure we know Travis's name. I think we'll forget Travis yep. Brown's name. Well, I'll, I'll forget to ship him his gift if I don't fucking write it. So oh, got, darn. We'll forget to ship. Travis Brown, another piece for his already overgrown collection of weekend horror. That's his room. Might as well just say weekend horror room. Aaron Ray says, Don't give Travis the win. I need to refill my salt lake. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, congratulations, Travis. I got you down. We will get that printed out and shipped to you. Ace. Oh, Travis Brown says, I want to give my prize to Raven Darkstar since she dealt with bone pains. Mm. Oh, very nice. Yes. Very generous of you, Travis. Thank you, Travis. Happy, happy Kwan's Miss All right, but I've got that written down. I will send your prize to Raven Darkstar. Very generous of you. Thank you very much, Travis Brown. You rock. He's got so many. He's, I think he's won so much. I think he has virtually everything. everything. He doesn't have the puzzle. I know that. Oh, he doesn't no. have the puzzle. And I noticed, I noticed, Eugene, you don't have the puzzle yet either. I will get the puzzle very soon. Chris, Christmas is right around the corner. You got to frame that fucker. You think? Here's a question. Let me ask you to the live chat too before before we before we wrap it up. Should I do puzzle versions? Should I put puzzle versions up of all the limited edition artworks? Uh, is that a real question or? I'm, okay, that's a that's a yes. Yes, okay. yeah, that's just, just yeah. That's a that's a yes. Okay, I can do puzzle versions of all the limited edition artworks. That way, you can have a whole set along the wall of all the cool stuff. And so I'll get says one yes. That will grace right over here. 
Yeah. There you go. I think that'll be awesome to have them all right there. I think I'll it'd be just really, toss really this other stuff aside. Okay. I want to, <laughs> I want to, I want to throw a suggestion out there to you, JL. You know mm. how, um, you know how, whenever we come to this portion of, of the show, yes, do this thing with the background, uh, audio. Right. You could not do it today. That would be like weird and cool and amazing. If I didn't do the outro music. That's what I said. Why? Oh, God, you missed a whole setup. You're just supposed to fucking play it and start into the thing. Jesus Christ. Well, no, I have a line that I have to say before I kick the music on. It activates the music. Jesus, Murphy. Just fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I will, you know, given that, uh, see, the people are saying, yes, do it. Uh, Sir Casim, oh, Sir Hit Travis can start his own bootleg weekend horror tea spring. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh yes everybody wants puzzle versions of all the limited edition artwork i will get right to work on that and i will make that happen awesome all right that horror fiends is going to conclude this episode of the weekend horror podcast I want to thank you all so much for joining us. We truly hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please smash those like and subscribe buttons. And be sure to hit that bell so you never miss a future episode. And thank you, Johnny, for being here this week. We do appreciate it. I hope it'll be, you know, you'll be back fun. in the rotation again. I hope so. Join, join us next week when we look back at the collegiate slasher Bleed, the legendary insanity of Troma's poultry geist, Night of the Chicken Dead. The I will gory- be here. <laughs> Sorry the, about that. Uh, the the gory third installment of Eli Roth's torture franchise Hostel Three, and Fuck. the made for TV <laughs> eco horror Tarantulas: The Deadly Cargo. I spoke too soon. I immediately regret my decision. <laughs> Be sure to check out Josh Olson's store at BadSamRide.Store. He does all the awesome artwork you see splattered all over our merchandise, which you can find over at Teespring. And for more from Weekend Horror, check out all the bloody links down in the description. Follow us on the socials for the Daily Splatter, your daily horror recommendation. Join our Discord for watch parties, big announcements, all kinds of horror shenanigans, and support the show through channel memberships here on YouTube, Super Chats, PayPal, or even through our Patreon for as little as how much? One dollar a month. One. And you can help us make cool shit. What are you waiting for? Join us. As always, thank each and every single one of you for being the greatest audience that a horror film podcast could possibly have. I am JL. And I'm Eugene. I'm some fat guy. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> we will see you all next week. And as always, you know, let, let's, say, let, let's say it together. Let's say it all together. See you all next week. And as, and always, as always, stay, stay scared. scared. We, fucking, we fucked that up. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. We'll see you all next week. And as always... Stay, Stay scared. scared. Fuck you guys. <laughs> I don't touch shit. It's the delay. Just the delay. <laughs> Fucking terrible. <laughs> <laughs>